You're listening to episode 261 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So I've been thinking about it a lot today. Uh, we have a new Batman, as mm-hmm. you all know. Who's it? And what's that? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so we have a new Batman, as you know. And I've been thinking about it because we've had many Batman, like there have been many James Bonds. And I kind of want to know who you guys think would win in a fight, whether it be Adam West, Val Kilmer, <laughs> Michael Keaton, George Clooney, uh, uh, Ben Affleck, Christian Bale, and Michael Keaton. Well, it's obviously going to be Adam West, right? Because he's going to have some sort of gadget. He's going to pull out like anti-Batman spray and be like, psh, psh, psh. yeah, anti-Christian Bale grenades, something. Yeah. yeah. You pull out Antifa. <laughs> well and and you know what if it's one of those days where you can never get rid of a bomb well then he's screwed he won't win but you know i think of the george clooney batman who has a bat credit card who kind of mm-hmm. charges way to getting whatever he wants so he's gonna pay adam west off he's gonna pay everyone off <laughs> don't or, fight me don't punch the face this is this is the money maker or he'll be like you know the uh wily coyote and just buy enough shit <laughs> You know, because if you think about it, he's the one Batman we see with actual money. Well, I don't think you can buy the other Batman off because they're all rich, obviously, but he might be able to buy stuff that can counter the other Batman. Mm-hmm. Also, like the other, guys, yeah. Well, the other thought I had that is funny is like, you know, this is like our seventh live action Batman we're having. Um, what's it say? to our like cultural differences with England where like their like male power fantasy is like a suave guy who like drinks like expensive alcohols and is like a womanizer and doesn't dress like a bat. Huh? Sounds like me on this Saturday afternoon. But for us, it's like, yeah, you know what I want to be? I want to be a guy in a bat costume. (laughs) I want to (laughs) cosplay. Who doesn't like a good cosplay? Uh, We all do. I want to be a womanizer that also dresses like a bat. <laughs> well, George Batman is that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that Batman is the best of both worlds. You just crack the case. Mm. That's why people want to be Batman. He could be James Bond. <laughs> yeah, he costume. does all the same things that James Bond does. Literally every yeah. single thing. But he also gets to be Batman. He does drink, of course. Does he just he? doesn't work for the British sure. government or whatever. I've seen I've seen Bruce Wayne. Uh, you know, at the at the, you know, at these functions he goes to, absolutely. Oh yeah, Christian Bale uh, famously was drinking at that one social gathering. Yeah, and Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. So, just saying, yeah, he, we we did crack the case. England, if you want to be cooler like us, and by us I mean the U.S., you got to put a Batman costume <laughs> on James Bond. I still say George Clooney. Okay, yeah, we never actually just yeah. resolved who would win. I'm going to say Robert Pattinson because if you guys have seen that trailer, he's beating the shit out of these uh, inner city youth. <laughs> he, he really he really knows how to throw it down. I feel like he might, you know, he might be able to win in a fight against nah, all of them. There's, there's, no, there's no cut screen that says power, bam. That, that is another difference is James Bond isn't taking his time to get his hands dirty by beating up inner city youth like Batman is. Batman's like, let's go. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. And you get to do that as Batman. All right. So I think Michael Keaton Batman loses the worst because he can't turn his neck. Fair enough. <laughs> great point. It's a great point. <laughs> so I think he's the most screwed. I don't I, remember if Al Kilmer can or not. I have to admit, 
I think Adam West would probably be next because there's no way there's armor in that <laughs> set of pajamas he's wearing. Yeah. He also like can't fight. He was he's already old, I feel like. Bam. Not in shape. Like like in shape for a regular human, but not for Batman. Well, yeah. he, he's yeah. got law enforcement actively on his side where they're like, oh, Batman, there's a robbery down the street. But that did happen. They would call him when there was crimes. Yeah, but where are they from? Well, <laughs> Is but, that the accent in Gotham? No, but the cops sounded Irish. Okay. That was Irish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Well, maybe Ben Affleck would win. He wears, like, all the armors and he shoots guns. He smokes. He smokes. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Smoking yeah. kills. Smoking kills. That'll catch I, up to him. Yeah, I think realistically, I think it would go uh, Robert Pattinson, Christian Bale, and then Ben Affleck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like like Daniel Craig, Robert Pattinson, and Christian Bale are scrappers in their franchises. I think I think Val Kilmer would put up a good fight, though. He seems like he's got an edge that never got tapped into. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well. I think we've we've determined which Batman would win in a fight. Why don't you write in and let us know which comics pal would win in a fight? That's what I want to know. Uh, I've got asthma, not me. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. Pete's the one that's losing first. Well, that's probably he's true. not here, so yeah, exactly it have to be the that's answer. How, yeah, that's how it works. Uh, I've got rage. That's because my I, secret. Listen, I do too. Yeah, but you're older than me. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. If and my back's five- already broken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. All right, cool. Thanks. If it's the five of us, Marco's winning because Marco's going to be the quickest one. It's like, I'm going to slice behind her kneecaps. <laughs> and Pete's actively a drummer, too. Yeah, so Marco's going to drum him down. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean that to say, I think Pete will be like unexpe- unexpectedly yeah, tough. Hmm. And and he has his voice as a weapon. <laughs> uh, Marco's gonna take sand and like throw it in our eyes and stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm an absolute like, cheat. Only like pocket sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only little what a, blows. What a strange start to this episode. Uh, what am not- I talking about? I'm from Texas. I have guns. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny, Sean, we do a comic book podcast, but through 261 episodes, we haven't really ever gotten down to like a who'd win in a fight between these characters very right. much. Mm. Well, we did it uh, uh, with characters who are all the same characters, so <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. <clears throat> and then also we might actually get to see that happen because currently right now, half of the list that we just discussed are actively Batman in the DC universe, yeah, right? True. So that could, why not? At least two of them are going to be in a movie together, The Flash. So it's possible that they'll throw down, although I don't think Michael Keaton wants to smoke at his age. But (laughs) be that as it may, uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Thank you so much for joining us. Want to let you guys know how you can support the show. If you want more of those, you know, amazing comedy stylings. Make sure that you follow, leave us a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening to us. If that happens to be YouTube, subscribe to the channel for free, youtube.com slash the comics pals, like the video, share it with your friend. All that stuff's free to do and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you 
Leave your comments in the comments section. We always respond to our comments. Thank you for those of you that uh, do send your comments. We're going to be reading those in a few seconds here. But our next book club uh, should should be out tomorrow if you're listening to this on Monday. And if you're not, uh, it'll be out soon. Or it's already out, rather. Uh, we did Eternals by Neil Gaiman and John mm-hmm. Romita Jr. That was an interesting book. I think that if you are excited for the movie, you're definitely going to want to listen to our conversation. We get into why these characters are who they are and some of the ways that this might actually connect and inform the Eternals movie that's coming out uh, here in November, which is, of course, why we did it. So uh, give that a listen. Make sure you guys are listening to our weekly reviews that we do every single Thursday for Marvel, DC, and everything else, and Wednesdays for Image. Uh, Last but not least, our YouTube uh, New York Comic Con interviews that we did with so many of the different creators. Keep checking them out. We want to get those numbers up. We are on the road to 500 subscribers, so watch those interviews. Click subscribe. You won't regret it. Hit the notification bell. We really appreciate it. We have so much to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the fallout from DC fandom, lots of announcements and things that, of course, didn't happen while we were recording last week, which, you know, things don't go our way all the time. We were hoping for some real meaty stuff, but of course, they saved the Batman for last. Uh, We're going to be talking about the reaction to Superman, Son of Kal-El number five. Now that we know it is the first issue to feature John Kent. Uh, engaging in his, uh, you know, his depravity. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're going to be answering the age old question. Do Marvel movies lead people to read comics? But this time with statistics. Oh, yeah. That's not what we do on this show. The answer will still be no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what, Kale? You might be surprised. I might be. I also might not be. That's true. Uh, (laughs) Math is fun. What's not surprising is that like every single week, you guys write into the show and give us some fun comments to read before we get into our crap. So why don't we jump into the comments and let's uh, let's let's go with Kale. Why don't you read this first one off? Sure. So Nick on the Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo interview says seeing them together still is crazy. The 2010 decade was legendary for Batman because of these two. Zero year is still one of my all time favorite Batman stories. And the art is still crazy and gorgeous. Crazy, gorgeous, indeed. Um, That was that was a really good run. I think Scott Snyder's run was a lot better than I thought it would be, especially coming off of Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. You know, Grant set the bar really high, and I think Scott did a very admirable job um, and was was willing to, to try things. One of my favorite arcs of that run is the super heavy arc mm-hmm. and all the stuff that they did with um, with Jim Gordon as Batman. Yeah, and me too. up front, I hated that idea. I really did. I think but it was it really interesting. Scott... I think Scott kind of gets his playground that he was playing in at the time. Um, I think what Scott and Greg really accomplished during their New 52 run on Batman is something that I don't even know if Grant was able to accomplish, which was like really bringing new eyes on Batman. Because like yeah. it was kind of a soft relaunch, right? I mean, it was a reboot, but it was a soft relaunch. 
and uh batman. It, it, you know it was batman number one and stuff and it brought people to reading the book for the first time and it, you know i don't know how many people you know we've met that would tell you that it was like the first time they were reading like an ongoing comic or whatever a, a lot of people that was their first issue of of comics was was that batman number one the court of owls yeah and i mean court of owls is huge now and like batman yeah. culture uh there's a whole video game based around it now that's coming out and uh you know for a whole generation of people scott snyder's batman is their batman yeah yep um yeah and by the way it was it was a trip for us to see them together too uh you know <clears throat> they both talked about how they haven't seen each other in a long time and that was their first meeting since at least the pandemic but i got the impression it had been even longer than that so uh it was really cool to see them in person even you know forgetting that i got to interview them just them being in the same physical space was cool yeah I think there was a lot of that in New York Comic Con, just not seeing people that you haven't seen in nearly two years, including uh, us, like yep. each other. Like uh, I had not seen Sean and Marco in person since New York Comic Con 2019. Yikes. That sucks. Oh. <laughs> Must be nice. And Kale, who I think I was like seven years old when I last saw him, who's to say? <laughs> I was definitely seven years old. <laughs> yeah. Marco, why don't you read the next comment? Yeah. So this is on the nicholas draper ivy interview from justin a regular writer in uh nicholas draper ivy's art on static was a huge selling point for me i can't wait to see what other projects he has coming yeah dude uh draper ivy's art has been he's been crushing it i think i've had the, the only moments in that book where i've had some like feelings about the art i think came from crisscross who were doing like layouts and stuff but otherwise he's been crushing on a lot um I think the the anime influence has really benefited the book, and yeah, I hope it's gonna keep keep going like this. Mm. Yeah, agreed. I hope he's got a long career ahead of him too. He, I mean, I you know I I've been a you know a follower of his for a really long time, and the stuff that he does outside of Static is just crazy. Like it's it's mm. it's actually wild. Um, and I hope that I, I agree that I hope that he has a long career. He can be a little bit bristly and, you know, the comics industry is super small. So you got to mm. watch out for things like that. But otherwise, you know, he's killing it. He was very cool with us. Very kind with us. Uh, yeah. I know, I know Pete bought uh, a print of Invincible off him that he did. That looked really Oh, cool. that was so good. Yeah. yeah just yeah. a really talented artist. Uh, Phil, take the next one. All right. If I have to, this is a long one. So bear with me. Roll up your sleeves. We're going to get in here. It's comic chick on the Tony Schiavone interview that Sean did at New York comic con. <clears throat> she writes, he is such a legend. And you know what? That's true. Yeah. Comic chick's right. <clears throat> you don't need to, you know, belabor the point. You can just put it out there like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So absolutely agreed. About four more words than than they needed, really. <laughs> yeah, legend. Yeah. He, all right. he needed was he, and we would have gotten it. Oh, all right, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> oh man, uh, and uh, I'll take the last one. This comes from Kilgore Trout on the Spawn reviews that we did last week. 
Um, he says they should have a ninja spawn comic. It could be set in feudal Japan, showing his beginning with his battles versus the samurai. It be would be so sick. Take notes, Todd. I agree. It be would be so sick. Um, <laughs> Surely it exists. I we don't know that it does. We made that joke about baby spawn. Apparently that's happened. So probably has. I, I, I agree. Todd, take notes. <laughs> take feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the feedback to stop writing spawn and let someone else do it. Um, and actually, actually, aha, I almost forgot about this, but I was reminded by that little uh, that little conversation there that we got a question from our Discord. Ooh, Sean, before we get to it, can I actually yeah. respond to a, a message we got from Gosha last week? Um, yeah, we read it on the air, but yeah, go ahead. So he gave like a, a, a list of 14 books that, um, you know, asking about whether or not we'd read, about um, whether we can discuss. And for me, the last two in particular, so Stray Dogs was a book that I've been shouting out uh, week over week as it happened. It was like a, a horror-tinged Disney kind of story, and I absolutely loved it. If uh, you're a fan of gore and can stomach seeing cute Disney-looking animals get killed. Oh, um, God. Who cares? <laughs> I love I when we get a deep look into Marco's psychology. <laughs> it's always I, troubling. I could with a smile. And I, I would love nothing more to see it in that, that mouse under my car tire. Just fucker. <laughs> And uh, mm. it, it was a, it was <laughs> it was written by the team that does My Little Pony, and uh, so this was like a horror tinged book that they had on their plate that they wanted to get out. Absolutely enjoyed it. Five yeah. issues, super super cool. I think I think you should definitely pick it up from Image, and the Autumnlands. So the Autumnlands was a series by Kurt Busiek, Ben Dewey that I fell in love with back in like 2015. I would buy every single variant of every single issue up until issue, I think, eight, because they stopped doing variants at that point. Mm. But I fell in love with this book. It's like high fantasy um, magic with anthropomorphic animals. Um, it It is genuinely a lot of fun. Uh, the The description on, on the site is Conan meets Game of Thrones meets Kamandi. And I think some of that's apt. Mm. But uh, for me, it was a really, really good story that I wish it, that ended but I wish would have ended under better circumstances. Kurt Busiek is, um, uh, is ill and I think had been for a while. And so he had to stop writing the book. Um, and Ben Dewey had to go, unfortunately, find some other work. But they, this was like a really, really epic story that they were telling. And um, I'm so glad that you brought it up, Gosha, because I uh, adore that book. And I think anybody who, who wants to can, can read it. It's in two trades right now, 14 issues. I think it's well worth it. Awesome. And also, by the way, I did want to say uh, to Kilgore Trout, I completely agree. If that hasn't happened, it should ninja spawn. That would be awesome. I like the idea of there, the fact that, you know, there have been other spawns. Somehow I never thought about that, that, you know, the spawn that is the primary one in, you know, the McFarland comics isn't necessarily doesn't have to be the first human to ever get that you know, mm-hmm. costume or symbiote, whatever you want to call it, demon. Uh, so, yeah, we should see stuff like that. But what I don't necessarily want is 
for all of them to have to come to the modern era and be <laughs> that version in the modern era. Like yeah, Pete and I said that it'd be cool if the gunslinger spawn was just in, you know, 1850s America and that's it. A Jonah you know, Hex like, style thing. Yeah, exactly. That's all he got to do. I would, I would think that would be, uh, would be awesome. Uh, you, um, I I just shot a link what to our heck? chat, but uh, Ninja's Spawn was the cover of issue wow. three hundred and ten. Wow! <laughs> Name is Spawn, and it probably exists. That's what uh, I'm saying. <laughs> Guess you're right. Here. First wow. of all, this Ninja Spawn, I, I gotta say, this looks kind of weird. Like I don't, I don't like it. Really? Yeah. Bro, got the blaze, that bow staff in the back. First of all, how many weapons? But second of all, <laughs> not enough pouches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is what's with the like the do rag? Like, what is <laughs> you know what is happening? <laughs> what is that about? Um, Marco, if you ever meet Todd McFarlane, you should commission him to do a Swamp Thing spawn. Oh, dude, that'd be fucking wild! Three thousand yeah. dollars for that commission. But... You know what? Worth it to have that spawn exist in the world. Um, we need more spawn to live in the world sean did you have something random you wanted to ask us about i I did yeah Hmm. i wonder is it is it a statement maybe do you need to explain question oh it's a random question yeah it's time for the random question of the week good egg i had some sort of like chemical (laughs) release in my brain the way you did that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my fingers are tingling that was a stockholm syndrome like exclamation of that i wish we had sound effects on this show because i would have added in like a like a sad horn or something <laughs> wah, 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 wah. yeah yeah the the opening to uh is it the the 21st century but like on a flute <laughs> so the the question that uh we're gonna be answering here comes from our discord server uh matt murphy wrote in to us and asked with ip being so valuable right now and the remake being one of the most popular means of rehashing ip for profit i've been thinking about ip and remakes in comics lately we've seen marvel and dc tackle remakes with the ultimate line and earth one respectively but it's rare to have an independent or creator-owned remake if there was one comic you could get remade by an all-new creative team what would the title be who would the creators be and why would you do it? So first of all, Matt, always coming in with really thoughtful questions. Love that, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. My answer is Spawn. Duh. There's no <laughs> other choice as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Spawn, I think the the universe of Spawn, the concept, the character, the, the pitch of Spawn is really cool. I think it's great. And it's a testament to that fact that it's lasted for so long. What other indie comics can you really point to that have been being published for almost 30 years? That's a that's a you know, that's a feat and still very popular to this day, maybe just as popular as ever. But I think the comics themselves could be way better. Uh, I think Todd, his vision, his concepts are cool, but the execution leaves a lot to uh leaves a lot lacking so if i could pick a new creative team for spawn i i think i'd want to see someone who 
has a big vision, you know, a visionary creator. So that brings me to Jonathan Hickman. I don't know that the angels and demons type of thing is his wheelhouse, but I think anything can be Hickman's wheelhouse if he finds the angle. And I think he would find the angle with Spawn being a concept that exists through all time that different individual humans have adopted. You know, um, you could even Grant Morrison could do something similar. You know, they love the idea of Batman through all time. What about Spawn through all time? So a, a creator like that, I would personally choose Hickman. Um, and then for an artist, I mean, I think there are a lot of artists who could do this really well. Um, Greg Capullo, I think, is a great choice. Yeah. Already worked on Spawn before, mm-hmm. did a great job. My number one pick, and I know this wouldn't happen, but I think my number one pick is Jim Lee. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. Just all yeah. about those bland, featureless buildings, huh? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like when Kel goes for the goat. He doesn't think his arms are too short to box with God. <laughs> uh, that's this is a tough question, especially because it's Marvel and DC. Anytime a title is relaunched, you know, there, there's soft reboot elements kind of because it's a new creative team kind of putting their spin on a character. So for me, I think this is a controversial answer, but I think what I'd really like to see get a hard reboot in popular IP is the DC universe. Oh, you can't choose Marvel or DC. No. Yeah, be in- independent. <laughs> what? Mm. So, I was thinking, um, and and I don't know if this counts, but the spirit. Sure. And I I mm. I, I would love that to be with a an artist like either. Uh, Francesco Francavilla coming back or even Doc Shaner because I think his style captures a lot Wow! and I think it can be pretty moody and for writing uh, controversial guys but uh, I feel like Tom King might be able to tell a story Fuck off. <laughs> I agree I agree Dude, I, if, yep. if, if Rorschach was that good if uh it, strange adventures strange adventures like and i'm looking so forward to uh what is it human target human target yes dude uh even greg smallwood fuck uh like tom king i don't know i think he might have a story there that's like crime driven that he can get a little weird with it i think that'd be okay and by the way kale and phil you guys didn't read rorschach rorschach is no. the sleeper book of the year yes. that book was crazy it was so good it's finished now, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll have to pick it up. I want to talk about it so damn bad, but I can't. I, me- so I meant good. to keep keep going off your recommendation, and then I didn't. So. It never dipped. That's the thing, too. Like, Strange Adventures kind of like, you yes. know? Yeah. It, had it never, yeah, it never dipped. Sorry, that's off topic. I don't know if I have an indie answer. No. I, I really don't. Um the spirit might be one of my oh no wait shut up um we're gonna shut up <laughs> francesco <laughs> Francavia's um black beetle oh dude's an incredible artist he is his writing not good it's not it's not great yeah you know i all due respect to him my man he did the thing anytime a comic gets made is a fucking miracle um 
and he knows his sensibility. Well, he knows his sensibilities. He does. Um, but it just, it, it never quite hit. And it's a cool, good concept um, for a, you know, a, a, a pulpy, you know, a, a noir hero, but it just never, never quite hit the way it should have. Um, so who, who would write that? I would keep Frank Avia on art. No question. hundred percent. Darwin Cook. I would bring Darwin Cook back from the dead. Ooh. You'd bring him back. Oh God. Yeah. To write? Jesus or to, to write and draw. Because my dude could write too. Uh, I was gonna have him on writing, but yeah, let's fuck it. Just give him let's the book. Give him the book. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were gonna say someone like Jeff Lemire. I don't I don't know about Lemire's noir stuff. Yeah. I have I have his question uh book, but I haven't um I haven't cracked into it yet. What about you, Phil? So I had to think about it a lot, and I think what I would do is something that's been really absent from comics for the last 25 years. It's the Wildcats from the Wildstorm universe, created by Jim Lee. For those of you who aren't familiar, they uh you know like a superhero team that was put on Earth by like this immortal alien race to fight <laughs> an evil alien race, and it's just nutty image 90s loudness and i think that could be a lot of fun if it was done by daniel warren johnson both oh. and writing just this a bombastic 90s style good. action comic wow damn dude that's that's a good one that's a good pick and i think daniel warren johnson would thrive in that environment yeah action just like non-stop oh no oh, fuck that sounds really good 90s loudness, you know, you get these giant spread pages and stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool. I think that's where I'm at. I changed my answer. Uh, Darwin, uh, no, uh, Danny Warren Johnson on the spirit. Okay, now we're talking. <laughs> that's that's crazy energy. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know that that would fit the spirit. <laughs> I want to see it, but. <laughs> wow. Well, these books that we're about to talk about are the ones that we want to see next week. Nice. These are the books that we are going to be picking up. These are the palace pulls. So Marco is going to start us off with Wonder Girl number four. Yes, Wonder Girl, Joel Jones. I've been uh, I've been digging the book. I mean, I I didn't know what to sort of expect. I like that it's a different character, and I wanted to learn more about um, Yara Yara Floor. And I Why think are you I've saying been... it like that, Marco? What? Say her name again? Yara Floor? Why are you saying it like that? As opposed to? Yara Floor. Why are you saying it so white? <laughs> I don't... It's what just easier. It's just y easier. Yara, Yara Floor. floor. <laughs> Yara Floor. Sean, you just... don't realize he's been spending a lot of time off camera with Kale. <laughs> he's like, salt is... Uh, a spice. Like, salt is a spice. spice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you fucking get off. This is the second time I've been accused of that this week, and I will not have it. <laughs> that was my wife. It wasn't me. How are you going to blame your wife? Yeah, it was her. Honey, please get under this car. She, <laughs> she had her hand on the salt, and she said, she said, do you want the spicy stuff? And I said, do you mean the salt? <laughs> You're like, I know what flavor is. <laughs> I yeah, lived in Texas. Flavor town. 
Oh. <laughs> so, so you're a floor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been enjoying the book. Um, and it's it's been slow. It's been coming out pretty slow. Um, like almost every other month. But I think uh, what Joel Jones is doing is is pretty cool. Uh, I don't know that it's you know an amazing story, but I'm having fun. Okay. Um, I chose the Long Halloween Special number one. This is super exciting. Uh, you know, the long Halloween is the long Halloween. Like it's one of the greatest comic books ever. Certainly one of the greatest uh, Batman comic books ever. And also is the inspiration for the uh, the Batman movie that's coming out. So uh, this <laughs> is say, the long Halloween animated film. <laughs> <laughs> that that's obvious. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm hyped for this. Uh, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, they tend to not miss. Uh, obviously, Jeff Loeb hasn't done a lot of comics work lately, and some of the stuff that he did, you know, within the last 15 years hasn't been tremendous. Yeah. But I think whenever he goes back to one of his roots he can find the angle. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. I think this is going to be cool. Yeah. I'm interested too. I didn't put on my, my list this week. Cause um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, some of his leading latest outings, like you said, have been missed, but uh, it's hard to go wrong with Tim Salem or at the very least. Cause yeah, my man's a legend. With a capital L. Have you seen this cover dude? Oh yeah. See this fucking song. see his fucking head? Oh, are you talking shit on a legend right now? Is that what I, I am, yeah, I am. I am uh reaching my arms out to fucking box with God. Okay. <laughs> wow, Marco. Whoa, yeah. where look at the balls you know, look, on you. I I'll back you up. Tim Sale's fine. <laughs> Damn. Uh, He's fine. I guess we're gonna have to find out the answer to which pal would win in a fight because uh <laughs> Tom, do you uh you just want to do the rest of the episode to see with me at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I think we might have to because yeah. that cover is awesome. I'm talking about the Two Face cover. The Two Face? No, no, no. Like the oh, main that's cover. cover B. You're talking about the main cover. The okay, main cover. yeah. Batman's, you know, neck is a little weird. All right. Tim Sale can play with anatomy. It's fine with me because it's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can God. <laughs> yeah, God can play with anatomy, motherfucker. <laughs> and you know what, Sean? I was gonna, I was gonna let it slide, but you didn't call out my second pick. Uh. I don't. I don't have a second pick from you. It's right there. Primordial number two. I don't see that. I only see Wonder Girl. No, it's there. Forty-five minutes ago. No, it's there. Yeah, I have it. Maybe I didn't refresh. Oh, because you edited. That's why. Yeah, because I, I. I. Why are we talking about this? Who fucking cares? Why am I explaining myself to you? Okay, so you picked Primordial. Big deal. Jeff Lemire is fucking good. Okay. And Sorrentino, it's fucking good. Go pick it up. That's it. Jesus Christ. By the end of this episode, one of the pals will be knocked out on the ground. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be Marco. He's <laughs> getting to me. He uh, does that. And then all of us but Marco, because he sucks, chose Inferno number two. Yo, I'm so hyped for this still. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe where issue one ended and now I have to see where it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that 
juicy drama I missed from the X Men books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inferno number one was like the best X Men book I've read in like two years, and there's been a lot of good ones since then. Don't I, that's not besmirching any other X Men book. It's just it was fire. It's in the title. It's called Inferno. Uh, I don't know what we can say about it without spoiling it. I, nothing. Yeah. yeah almost right, nothing. So let me put it this way: the things that if you if you haven't been reading Inferno because uh, it's only the second issue, I haven't read that first issue. Uh, if you liked Hawksbox, it's time to jump back in, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. This is definitely it. This is Hickman's swan song for the foreseeable future of this series. So you gotta, you gotta be a part of this. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to be reading this. My first issue was incredible. Mm-hmm. Quick question for you guys: Is it random uh, too? Yeah, but I don't want to make a big deal <laughs> out of it. Um, <laughs> Just this is just a quick bit. Who do you what character from the comics do you think is the most popular Halloween costume? And not just comics, it just most popular costume across the United States. If you really, you know, put a gun to my head on this one, I would have told you for the last like six years, it is Harley Quinn. Okay. Uh this year this year miles morales no okay oh yeah i'll stick with it all right uh spider girl okay well i would say that kale's closest to being right because the answer is spider-man and miles morales is also spider-man so Mm. but marco you get some points too yeah yeah Actually, no, you don't, because I don't even like you. Oh, (laughs) I'll take his points. Yeah. Um, That new kid show, uh, Spidey and his amazing friends just uh, just came out. Mm. So I bet I bet that's uh, a huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, So Spider-Man's costumes have been, you know, doing gangbusters this year. Uh, They did a study. uh, SEM Rush. And we learned that Spider-Man is the most popular costume. Um, but there are some other questions that I can ask just so we can have a little bit of fun with this. So, for example, in which two states do you think that Captain America's costume was most popular? Texas. And <laughs> no, that's Punisher. That's Punisher. <laughs> Texas and uh I'm gonna go with law of averages because it's the biggest state in the country, California. Okay, I, I would I would have said California and uh, Florida. I'm gonna split the difference there. I'm gonna say Texas and Florida. God, you guys are all the way wrong. Oh shit! Uh, Is it New York, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania? Oh, my home state. Too. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. All right, but you guys didn't know I was from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in which state was Spider-Man most popular? New York. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say New York. It's got to be New York. It's not. It's actually Illinois. Those what? assholes. Yeah. Uh, in which state was the Joker most popular? <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, all right. You know what? I've been wrong so far, so I'm going to throw it out there. Um, Iowa. I'm going to say Florida because it's real nutty down there. <laughs> you guys are thinking way too small. Yeah, crime is big, and it's also funny. What state do you think crime is most funny in? That's a great line of thinking, Phil. That's Illinois. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus Listen, Christ. you said it. <laughs> like... All right, but I didn't mean that. 
What, you, well, you racist. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I didn't put that one thought into it. <laughs> Did you not? Because I didn't. Say, I didn't say it. I let it be known. All right, kill exactly where my mind went. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to try to earn your your fucking morality points. Uh, sometimes I feel like I do. <laughs> All right, so what's your what's your uh, answer? Mm, uh, California. Oh my god, you guys! It's Nevada. Oh, that is where crime is funniest. Yeah, damn Vegas. What's funny about crime in oh Sin City? Yeah, damn. Superman was about it very Superman was most popular in Illinois. God, what is with you in Illinois? <laughs> well, Metropolis is in Illinois. Like okay. the actual Metropolis. Great. Yeah. Isn't it Toronto? I think based in Toronto. Do you guys have an answer for the question? New Jersey. Yeah. Wow. Really? Vermont. Oh no, uh Chicago. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, is that a meme? Are you are you screwing with us? No. Oh my god. <laughs> Don't they have like the river system and stuff like that? <laughs> Phil said Illinois already. Oh you done. That's in Chicago. Know, the, oh shit. The great fifty first state of uh America. <laughs> the United States of America, Chicago. <laughs> I really thought it was in Indiana for a hot ticket. I'm cutting this bit. Uh, WandaVision was most popular in California. Mm. Black Widow in Connecticut. Batman in Missouri. Uh, Harley Quinn in North Carolina, I bet. And The Flash in Montana. Well, that doesn't count. There's one person in Montana. Well, in Montana, everything is so far apart that like, God, I wish I had super speed just to go to my friend's house. Yeah. Uh, was WandaVision together? Yeah, like uh, the sh- uh, costumes inspired by the show. Oh. Uh, huh. It's very interesting. Uh, I always wonder what informs like data like this. Like what makes Superman popular in New Jersey or something, you know? Well, SEM, SEM Rush, I've worked with them in the past. They uh, usually use like different search data and they have access to it. And they aggregate based off of like how many people search compared to an average, like mm-hmm. nationally. Mm-hmm. Huh. That makes sense. Interesting. Um, sidebar you, question. Did you guys ever dress up as a superhero character or comic book character for Halloween and at any point in your life yes. as a kid? What, yes. Which one most? Dude. Okay. I was Cyclops so often. Hell I yeah. loved dressing up as Cyclops. I thought oh, it was yeah. so cool. He was my favorite X-Man. Jean Grey was my favorite X-Person overall, but he was my favorite X-Man. I hated Wolverine. I dressed up like him too, but I hated him (laughs) because I felt like he was trying to put Cyclops down and he made people think Cyclops wasn't cool. But I dressed as Cyclops constantly. I got to say, Sean, that is the one one line of thinking where you and I are, we are right there together. Let's hear it. Cyclops fucking rules. Yes, dude. Did you dress up like Cyclops too, Kale? I would have. I never, uh, never had a. Well, I, I, I always got store bought costumes, so I never, um, you know, I, did that. So I, what I mean by that is I never found it. I really appreciate that Sean 
puts value on a character that puts a lot of emphasis on their monogamous relationship and puts down someone that yeah. tries to ruin that monogamous relationship. Yeah. Like who would do that? Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, I also I dressed was, up as Darth Maul in the second grade. I was uh, Tommy, the white Ranger several years in a row. Oh, that's, that's fun. Oh, I, I, was, too, I was too. I was, nice. uh, I was the once. red Ranger. Nice. Uh, I think my I think my younger brother was the red. The red oh, ranger. my yeah. my brother was the the blue ranger. When I was in the first grade, my mom made me a nightcrawler costume from scratch. Hell like, yeah! I had a mask. Was that it good? Rules. It was pretty good for like something that was totally homemade. Yeah. Wow. You got a pick? Uh, not on hand. I'll have to ask my mom for it. There's, yeah, we need, we're going to need that. There's got to be photos in the house. We should all do that. By the way, we should get pictures of ourselves from Halloween. You know. Yeah. Costumes, yeah. If we have mm-hmm. them, I probably have one. I don't I've know done, if I have that one, but I I do have some. Yeah, I've done like a working class Superman in my twenties too, where it's like the jeans, the t shirt. No boots. one cares about that. Yeah, I no know. I cares know. about that. I'm just saying. <laughs> are you guys? Are you get? Yeah, everyone has a lazy Superman costume. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. Are you guys uh, going to do anything this year? No. Nah. Uh, yes, but I haven't figured out what yet. I think I work at a toy store now, so I think I'm gonna be the um, the um, uh, the chill hop, lo-fi beats raccoon. Oh, the, the raccoon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good one. I like that. I have a um, I have a uh, uh, Rigby from regular show onesie. Uh, I have a yellow hoodie. Do? Yeah, hell yeah. Okay. I think you'd be very surprised at what Kale has in the closet. <laughs> Skeletons and all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you want to drop a bomb on us, Kill? Nope. Nope. All right. What, well, oh. My goal for this show as it moves through the years, like in the finale, whenever that might be one day, I want to hear all of Kale's skeletons aired to the public. You will not. There's a reason they are skeletons. <laughs> all right. Well, Kale won't drop the bomb on us, but it might take dropping the bomb to stop. The Hulk in the World War Hulk movie that is rumored to be filming next year. Uh, This rumor just exploded all over social media. Um, Geeks worldwide. Who knows who they are? uh, (laughs) Say that there's a World War Hulk movie scheduled to start production in 2022 to release in 2023 or 2024. Of course, this makes sense from a scheduling standpoint because Marvel has like 50,000 unclaimed dates lined up in those years. So could a World War Hulk movie slide in there? Sure. But what makes this interesting and questionable is the fact that traditionally for the last uh, 10 years, Marvel hasn't made a, a Hulk movie because they haven't been able to. They can't, yeah. Yeah, the rights situation with Universal is such that um, without paying them a very hefty sum of money, they can't make a Hulk movie. Um, mm. And so they have chosen to instead use the Hulk in all these different Avengers movies and things like that and actually tell the story of Hulk through those films. Yeah. So if this is real, that would mean that the rights to the Hulk have now reverted just like they have for Daredevil and all those other people. That's not outside the realm of plausibility. Marvel certainly would not tell us this 
But if this is true, is a World War Hulk movie something that you are personally excited about and something you think we need right now? I I don't think we need it. And I say that because in Ragnarok, we got like a World War Hulk-esque. No, we got Planet Hulk. Oh, we got Planet Hulk. Okay. Yeah, they're different stories. Um, I mean, I wouldn't need it. I don't care. I don't know that he's... Is he even going back into space? No, so World War Hulk is a storyline where that led to Planet Hulk, where Hulk runs wild, basically, like Hulkamania is wont to do. Uh, on the Marvel universe, and just like beats up every character possible for like a good while, including like the Sentry and stuff. Or I don't know, Sean would know better than me on that one. But yes, because of that, the Illuminati sends him into space. Oh, you got it flipped, my brother. Ah, oh, shit, uh, really? Oh, yeah, he came well, back mad. He came back mad. World That's War Hulk right. is after. It's the immediate event after Civil War. Ah, I was close. He, he finds yeah, a way back, right. and he comes back right. pissed. Yeah. And he fights the sentry in the final issue to a standstill. They both depower. Huh. And then uh, Bruce Banner gets locked away. Huh. Um, yeah, I think that if there were going to be a time where this movie made sense, it would be now, even though I don't think I like the idea of doing it because the lead in has not been good in the sense that Thor Ragnarok yeah. doesn't um set that up uh avengers none of the avengers movies have set it up so in order for that to happen it would kind of have to just come out of left field and i hate when they do things like that so yeah and 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 i think that would be fun i like uh i like stupid shit sometimes and uh you know world war hulk was pretty dumb in a good way like i mean that in the best way like i enjoyed it because it was just it was this action nonsense wasn't very complicated um but you know where we left off in the mcu is like a weird kind of unexplained state of bruce banner being the hulk and in control of the hulk or whatever yeah uh so to have that kind of character like revert back to the the mindless mr hyde style you know angry brute feels like moving in the wrong direction for that character It's also worth pointing out that between now and when this movie would theoretically release, there are several chances for the Hulk to make appearances that could make this make a lot more sense. Like between now and then, I'm sure we'll at least see She-Hulk, which he will be in. Hmm. um, And Doctor Strange will have come out. Uh, There will be lots of things that will happen between now and then. Speaking of which... Something that dropped this week uh, that also had a lot of people talking is the fact that Marvel had to shift the dates for uh, almost their entire film schedule, at least for the next couple of years. They shifted everything forward. I think this shouldn't surprise anybody. A lot of people were uh, really making this more than it needs to be. Marvel had a lot of movies scheduled and COVID really kind of ravaged their production line for these things. Yeah. Making it such that some of these movies are, are in weird states of production. Some that were supposed to come out, you know, after other movies are ahead in schedule, things like that, just due to, you know, the craziness. So they're just making those adjustments. All the movies are coming out in the same order. Ultimately, they're just pushed back and there's going to be a six month or five month rather um, uh, 
time between Doctor Strange and whatever the movie is that's coming out after that. But really, that's not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, and, and to your point, they can link a thread where Hulk does revert and it leads to something like World War Hulk. I'm sure they can create a reason for something like that. I don't know if I'm interested in it at this point, you know? Like, we're moving in a linear direction in the MCU. We're moving forward. And so even if they explain how that would happen, it would feel like moving backwards. Um, I think it depends on what they want to do with the Hulk. If they still see value in the Hulk being a part of the Avengers, then, yeah, you can't do this. You can't do World War Hulk and then have him just go back to being a member of the team. He has to go away. They would have to send him to space and and do that storyline for real, send the Hulk away to a planet and do all that jazz, or he has to just die. And that's the and that's that for the whole for the foreseeable future. That would um, be fine if they like rode him and then killed him off the end of the movie. Actually, I think that'd be kind of sick. I think it'd be really cool, and I also think that it would open the door. Similarly to how the Hulk being sent to space created a power vacuum that made the um, the Civil War more fair, which they also did in the movie. Um, I think that this would make it so that a character like Kang can more easily come to, even though Kang can fight the Hulk, the Hulk not being there for that makes it like, oh man, we don't even have our Hulk, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Powerback creates an opportunity for characters like that to come in and do nasty shit. It's like when I'm not on the podcast and Kale's like, oh, now's my chance to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we got to fill the void. It creates yeah, a humor exactly void like that, that isn't filled adequately. Ah, well done. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry. <laughs> uh, hey, listen. Fair's fair. <laughs> good shot's a good shot. It's, <laughs> it's like when Pete's not here. It's, it creates a loudness void that even if all four of us talk at the same time, that can't be filled either. It's probably true. Yeah. Uh, so... We're talking about MCU movies and the age old question about these films is, yeah, maybe they're good, but how much do they actually impact comics readership? Mm-hmm. And so uh, comicbookherald.com wanted to, well, Dave from comicbookherald.com <laughs> wanted to figure out, you know, whether this is true or not. Uh, and he's got some data to, answer this question now i'm going to explain what i mean by data don't criticize me too hard i got to sell these things it's data but you can definitely question whether or not it's fully reliable so uh five years ago or well in 2017 uh comic book herald published a where to start with marvel comics guide which is basically for people who, you know, want to get their start reading Marvel, who've watched the movies and things like that. Where do you go next? That's the idea of this article. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to read from the comicbookherald.com article um, about the data that Dave wrote. I published a CBH guide on where to start with Marvel comics towards the start of 2017. So I have nearly five full years of data on the guide, which for much of that time has been one of the top results results for searchers asking the question, where do I start with Marvel comics? 
In terms of search or intent, the above query is a pretty good gauge to me of a person sincerely interested in reading Marvel comics, perhaps for the first time or after a lengthy period away. And when I look at the moments when visitors flock to this guide, all the peaks are directly tied to MCU movies and the launch of WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. So there is he does provide a graph which showcases that uh, Avengers Infinity War was the highest point of hits for this article ever by far um april 7 april 27th 2018 the next highest is avengers endgame april 26 2019 and then the period of february 5th through march 5th of this year for episodes 5 to 9 of wandavision those are the biggest spikes in terms of people looking uh, for, you know, this article uh, during non-peak seasons, the average views for the where to start guide were 245 per day during peak seasons. That total jumps to 10 to 1096 per day, a nearly 4.5 times jump. So that's pretty interesting. Um, people are coming to this website to this article to figure out where to go after they watch these movies or while they're curious about these movies. There aren't similar spikes for um, character specific movies like Spider-Man movies don't necessarily do it. Uh, Black Widow movies don't do it. It's really these big event scale movies that do it. So Dave is suggesting that this is most likely leading to people ending up and going and buying or pirating or whatever Marvel comics. Do you believe that? Does this, does this sort of satisfy your curiosity about that question? What do you make of this data? So I think that uh, two things. I think that because they're using just the average views for this one guide as like a marker, I think there's probably some missed opportunity in terms of being able to actually tell like the long tail because usually when people search right like if you look up where to start or top 10 comics you'll go from page to page and figure out you know how many books cross over and things like that so i think there's data loss in the sense that um people could be searching across other websites and other kinds of guides so for me you know this the, 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 the high period here for Infinity War, I feel like probably has a longer tail and it's probably higher if we started to include things from like a Google Trends perspective or even from um, like if we were able to aggregate other things in other articles. So uh, for that, I think that's a positive thing. And anecdotally, in the data that I've seen when it comes to running uh, like WandaVision specific campaigns, um, for clients, I think that that data stands true and that that show in particular had a very long tail uh, response in terms of sales and even subscriptions. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think that that stands true so much so that we uh, now heavy up our delivery of certain media and and advertising around these movies because we can recognize that there's a potential to capture new people either from an individual comic sale perspective or from a uh, subscription perspective. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think the data here makes sense. Um, what ends up happening is 
you see it spike, but then it quickly falls and the graphs show that pretty consistently. And it kind of depends on the story. It kind of depends on what you're looking at. And that'll also determine how people react. I think comparing, uh, again, anecdotally, WandaVision to Falcon and Winter Soldier, we didn't see the same kind of reaction. Mm. And um, uh, WandaVision continued to outperform even when Falcon and Winter Soldier was active because I think people were kind of going back to it and be like, oh, this is the start of this longer series of shows that we need to be watching. Um, and What If was pretty negligible. So I think there's a lot here. I think there's data missing that could probably inform more of uh, what this performance in uh, long tail looks like. But uh, yeah, I definitely agree that there's clear intent. I don't know how it relates to physical just because like one, it's hard, really hard to measure that. And also you have to take the extra step of actually visiting a location. I can only speak to digital sales and, and specifically that, that that scene increases and measurable increases. So definitely intent, definitely actual sales. Uh, I wonder how directly it'll translate to individual stores. And I feel like that's another conversation piece that, you know, uh, this could be, that could be like follow-up reporting to this. Cause I'd be curious to see how, how they, how a store would cater to a, um, a new movie release. Like, do you change something within the store? Like what goes up front to what, you know, what do you see in terms of overall sales? So there's a lot there. And I think there's a lot here from a reporting standpoint that we could probably continue to learn. Completely agree. Wow. That was a great uh, analysis, dude. This is his wheelhouse. It's it's like actually the wheelhouse. Yeah. That's I hate wheelhouse. to give you credit, but. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it is, man. Yes, credit points. 20 minutes ago, he was going to put you in the ground. Now it's like he's, coming, he's like cleaning the dirt off your shoulders. Good job. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take the credit back. Phil, ah! do, you want do you want the credit, Phil? Yeah, I'll take it. All I right, could yeah. use it. There you go. Man, Phil, you're so good. Oh, thanks. I spent all day looking at data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you make of this? I don't know anything about data. Okay. <laughs> all right. I, I, do, I do have a question, though, about like how it would work. Um, does it... Is there... Uh, is the information, I guess, like salient because he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he only did it from his own website, right? Yeah. So does that still correlate? Like, does that still, does that, you know, mean broadly that that is true? You well, know, correct information or good information? Um, I, I mean, I, I guess to that, right, like it's just that one singular view. So for me, in, like, like, I think that that just means that there's probably like missing information from other sites that also have similar lists about where to start and what, because people, when it comes to behavior, like on Google and you're just trying to learn about something, you typically go from site to site, you open up you know, multiple tabs and you're doing your research typically. Mm. And if people are going to where to start a where to start guide, like contextually, that just kind of means that people are learning. And if people are learning, they do so pretty consistently on a search engine like Google. And yeah. that is to open up multiple websites, look at different articles. So for me, I think it's salient in that contextually, what it what it's trying to service is information providing and information providing across Google typically means that you're seeing that across other websites as well. So. Right. This is a small sample size of that. 
to your point, but I think it, uh, it's a small sample size that we can probably extrapolate happens across other websites as well. Mm. Okay. Out of the way, Brain, Brainiac, let a real jock tell you what's going on here. I think it's pretty clear that people are buying comics after seeing the movies because every year we hit that 1 million copy milestone of major comics. That means people are going to the store and buying them in droves, baby. Yep, yep. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I'm going to say that this is very interesting. Um, I think there's a lot missing here, obviously, but you know, I think Dave was, you know, kind of maybe trying to get themselves over a little bit, but also point out that, hey, you know, people are at least becoming interested in this topic whenever these movies come out. And that's valuable information. I'm sure they know it, but it's valuable for comic book stores. It's valuable for um, publishers to, to know that, hey, whenever these big things come out, it's, you know, rising all, bo- all boats. Um, how do we capitalize? And just speaking for myself, that damn WandaVision uh, or, yeah, the, the WandaVision show, it, it exploded interest in Scarlet Witch and Vision at Midtown Comics. They had these um, Wanda, I keep wanting to say WandaVision, Scarlet Witch and Vision collections that had come out around that time that Marvel had put out. And those things couldn't stay in the store. I got I, I got one, too. I, I don't even ever get sucked into that. You know, oh, the, the show or movies out. I got to buy this and I bought it. So, yeah. Well, but I mean, they could park a car in Midtown Comics and you'd probably buy it. Um. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it probably wouldn't be it's like a 92 green Toyota Corolla. You'd probably buy it. All right. If you put a gun to my head, right, and you said, identify a 92 green Ford Toyota, the only aspect of that that I would be able to identify is the color green, and then I would die. I wouldn't know that it was a Toyota. But if it was in Midtown Comics, I would assume that it was awesome. So uh, interesting stuff. I think the, the the other big thing to take away is that comics are not dead. You know, co- people are still interested in comics enough to look them up and want to engage with them. You know, and these movies are important for that. So uh, I'm at least glad that that is a thing that's happening. It'd be a bad sign if this wasn't occurring. Yeah. And a last point on from my end, I think the the other interesting piece is they mentioned uh, Comicron and Comicron would probably be a good reference to cross reference like this activity because they yeah. do track individual sales um and i was looking at it right now and um i think it uh it came out in june right uh or like may um infinity war of um, 2018 it was uh march or may i closed the article it was may it was may, it was may. okay yeah. so I, I i opened up may 2018 uh number one selling book was amazing spider-man followed by venom followed by uh, Doomsday Clock and then Avengers and Black Panther. So the top five books were um, that. I think that's directional. I don't actually think that you can draw something from that, but um, it's another way to sort of cross-reference individual sales. Well, I think where you would want to look is in the sales of trades and graphic novels because people would be buying collections. So I think you might find something more there. That's a good point. 
Um, and then also, if we were really trying to get nerdy with it, you would probably want to look at the sales when the trailer dropped, the initial trailer, and mm. see if that drummed up a significant amount of interest in that month. Um, but that is, uh, if, if any of us were to do it, it would be Marco. Maybe um, a summer project or fall project. <laughs> Let's talk about Image Comics. We haven't talked about Image in a little while, um, but unfortunately, unfortunately, we have to talk about them in the negative. So, you know, comics aren't dying, but there is something that's sweeping the industry that uh, if anything were to kill comics, it would be this. And it is the severe problem with paper. Paper and various uh, materials, um, the comics industry is suffering from the supply chain issues that are sweeping the entire earth um, to the point where Image Comics has made the announcement that for now and the foreseeable future, they will no longer be doing second printings for their comics. Yikes. Y'all about to become like me. Fucking waiting for those trades. <laughs> That's that sucks. Um, I, we so we subscribe to the like the newsletters for press releases and stuff for Image, and they're always going on about how first printing sell out, and they're coming out with a second or third printing, and uh, yeah, I don't, I'm sure there's more to it, Sean, but like this also probably means that on a first printing basis stores have to probably buy more than they normally would mm. to account for any potential uh missed like, like for any potential of like a series hitting and them not having the capability to do a second printing so i will read images statements um they say first things first as many of you are undoubtedly aware the current shipping delays, supply chain crunch, and paper shortages are creating nationwide issues across many industries, and that impacts our industry too. I'm sure every publisher will have a different response to this crisis, but at Image, we're proactively stream streamlining our releases to reflect these circumstances. Starting now and for the foreseeable future, there will be no second printings of any title. Please keep this in mind as you order. There will be limited stock available for reorders, and we will not be reprinting anything that sells through at the distributor level. We are also adjusting the schedule of upcoming titles over the next few weeks to reflect a more responsible usage of raw material availability. This week is a lighter offering than what you might have expected, and these printings will be the only printings. All that said, let's get to work. So this went this went out to retailers. Um, this is bad. This is really, really, really bad. I know that something is killing the children as a as an example of a comic, right? Not an image comic or whatever, just as a comic uh, has done really well on its, you know, additional printings. Mm -hmm. What would happen? What would have happened if something is killing the children wasn't ever reprinted and you had to wait for the trade if you missed out early? That'd be bad. Um, I think that, you know, when you talk about like piracy, that kind of thing could lead to more piracy uh, for those who just are like, wait, I'm not going to pay for it digitally. If I can't have the physical, I'm not buying it. I'll just read it for free. It opens that gateway even more. Uh, what's going to happen with Saga? 
when that comes back, oh. if, I mean, that's going to require a massive upfront print run. And if it sells out, which it will, what are they going to do? Just not print it again? That seems wild to me. Those they, issues are going to sell for so much on the secondary market. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just, just this week at Midtown Comics, they had a row of Department of Truth reprintings. Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, all these different issues of Department of Truth that were reprinted. That's a book that needs that because I have I have gaps in my Department of Truth. I bought issues and then couldn't find others. Yeah. So what like this is this is actually nuts. Well, now it's time to make a buck. Time to be a, a, a filthy, filthy like person that buys up all the single issues and then sells them on eBay. Let's go, baby. You guys were looking for NFTs. We got the print version. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, this is, yeah. I mean, this has been long running, a long running problem. I think I think I mentioned it um, on the show around when it happened. But um, for my birthday, I went to um, uh, Manchester and uh went to traveling man there which is uh the cool comic shop in manchester and they had signs all over the place explaining why you can't get like a even a copy of a chapter of chainsaw man um just i mean this paper shortage is ravaging the industry it sucks um because yeah if 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 we can't even get like the individual issues, then, you know, trades are going to be a thing yep. like down the line as well. And that's where like a lot of people might enter or start a story to pick up the monthlies or mm. um, yeah, this is negatively affecting, this is going to negatively affect you know, across the board of whatever sales you have. Yeah. I, I, I know that other publishers have had to push things back and kind of, you know, um, adjust expectations as far as orders and things like that. DC notably, um, you know, delayed inevitably and canceled some of their Omnibuy or uh, absolutes and things like that, that they would normally be great for this season, this time of year are no longer going to be releasing for Christmas. So, but they haven't made this drastic of a statement, right? Like this is a major, major thing. And go ahead, Kill. I was going to say, I, f- I feel like the only people that are talking about it are people are like booksellers. You know, I don't think I've seen any other publisher say anything about it. Well, Marvel and DC have had to make their adjustments at more than Marvel and DC. We know about them. They're just not making a statement in the way yeah. that Image is making a statement about this. I, yeah, I guess I guess I mean just like you know, images saying this is why this is what's happening. This is right. why the only people I've been uh, seeing talk about a paper shortage and how it could affect the publishing industry are booksellers, mm. and I, maybe to a degree, you know, authors. But you know, it's people who directly deal with uh, the market on an individual basis you know, in their own jobs, as opposed to massive companies. Right. It's like Sean, it's like you said at the very beginning of this, you know, these supply chain issues are happening 
in every industry, whether it's food or manufacturing around the planet. I mean, companies like Best Buy and Amazon and Sam's Club and Target, all these companies are telling shoppers and consumers to begin their holiday shopping now. They're offering Black Friday deals in October because of just the anticipated supply chain issues. Like people might not be able to get the things they're trying to get by the holidays. And these are companies that are much bigger than Image Comics. So it's unfortunate, but this is an unfortunate reality that companies around the planet are dealing with for, you know, when they're trying to peddle their wares, basically. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wild. And by the way, there's been so much confusion about why, and I was confused, about why Image Comics solicited a, a, an array of books as having been, you know, out last week and then resolicited them for this week. Mm. And it's because of this. Mm -hmm. uh, we reviewed Gunslinger Spawn and um, King Spawn and Made and Three and other books. Mm -hmm. And we reviewed them. And then we were like, wait a second, they're, they're, they're being solicited for next week. And I went to the store and I couldn't even find them. So mm. this is why it's because of this. Um, they were delayed. They just weren't able to get them to stores when they needed to. And when you think about the fact that it was so close that we were able to get our copies, you know, our digital editions to read, and then they were delayed. That's days. We get our digitals on Friday. Yeah. You know, shops probably learned about this happening around then. You know, they had to adjust. So that's that's kind of scary. And uh, I hope that this is not an issue that, you know, becomes so large that, you know, companies actually can't publish. At least not physically. Yeah. Like worst case scenario, they start. Worst case scenario, they push out digital first, like for day and date stuff, and then, yeah. uh, cause, cause uh, I was also confused because um, my I've subscribed to Mini Korea and it didn't pop up this week, and I saw that it got pushed to next week even on like the digital sales front. So a yeah. lot of that had just changed on the back end. Right. So we ended up accidentally reviewing and spoiling books that. You know, no one else had access to our bad. <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah. But we should move forward. Uh, the 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 book that's unaffected completely by the paper crisis is Superman, son of Kal-El. DC said, you know what? Burn all the forests down <laughs> or, or raise them of all their paper. Let's fuck it. We need paper. Fuck DC you, Dean Kane. Yeah, <laughs> uh, DC is making sure that there is no way you can't get this comic book in your hands. Apparently, the reorders or, or the orders for this book have been unprecedented. That's the word of DC. Um, and they're going to make sure that everyone can get it on November 16th when it goes on sale. It was actually delayed by a week. Part of that delay was to get a new colorist uh, because shit went left with the colorist that the book had. Well, um, right. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Hi-Fi is going to be doing the colors now. 
not a part of the solicited creative team anymore is Gabe El Taeb, who is was the colorist on Superman uh, Son of Kal-El. And the crazy thing, remember how we ragged DC for spoiling this in advance? Well, as it turns out, it's not their fault. This guy went on the Ethan Van Skyver podcast, I believe, oh, no. and spoiled that this was going to happen. And so DC felt that they had no choice but to get out in front of it and do their own big announcement. Yeah, Tom Taylor kind of talked about that in one of the interviews he did. Basically, it was like, it got out there. So we, you know, we just, all right, we're, we're going to put it out there. And I have here a quote from Gabe, um, I guess, on, on this podcast. He said, I'm finishing out my contract with DC. I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of them ruining these characters. They don't have a right to do this. At Comic-Con in 2009, I was pushing Jerry Robinson's wheelchair around. That's the man who invented the Joker. I would work with the DC booth back then. I remember bending down to his face and telling him, thank you for creating these characters so people like me can waltz in and get a job. It's not about gay or anything else. What really pisses me off was saying truth, justice, and a better world. Fuck that. It was truth, justice, and the American way. My grandpa almost died in World War II. We don't have a right to destroy shit that people died to give us. It's a bunch of fucking nonsense. They call us bigots and racist and shit. And I would ask them, find me the fucking mainstream, not on the fringes, one fucking book, one fucking t-shirt. God, that, that's ridiculous. How many times can you say that? Back to the quote. One movie that says that leftism is bad and conservatism is good. Find it for me. They fucking won't. They're not letting people have a voice. They're the fucking bigots. Sorry, that's been bottled up for five years. My man needs to go to therapy. I love I love that in his quote, how he's, you know, at the beginning when he's talking about pushing Jerry Robinson around in a wheelchair, he bent down into Jerry Robinson's face and didn't treat him like an adult. That was person. the same thought I had. <laughs> thank you, Joey. Oh, thank you so much for making the joke. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't yeah. know, man. I, that's like the frustrating thing of this is that it turns into some kind of culture war. I think of that Arizona state senator who was like, Superman loves Lewis Lane. It was a typo. They, yeah. She meant Lois. We but, talked about that. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's just uh, of course, it, this kind of thing bottles up into some kind of culture war because uh, people get really angry about stuff like this for no reason. You're not reading these comic books, but yet you're mad about it. Mm. I mean, here we are. The people that do read these comics are lining up in droves again to buy it again. And also, it, it, it goes against the thing, of, or it is the thing of like, why don't they just make new characters? Right. Well, here we are, and they're making new characters, and um, it's still making the same. You can't appease the crowd that is just inherently like incredibly homophobic because it, it's just a deep phobia. I do want to. I do want to say, you know, people are um, attributing this massive order to you know readers who are so ready for you know a a bisexual uh superman and i'm not saying that those readers don't exist by any means i think there are probably quite a few but let's not forget the comics industry is very speculative Mm -hmm. 
And so there's probably a lot of people, maybe what's driving this, that just want this because of the, yeah, the fact that it's a major, you know, release. Yeah, Um, that's possible. Good. And by the way, I'm not (laughs) saying that to say anything negative about this actual uh, announcement. I'm just saying, yeah. That's, yeah. you know, there's a segment of the, of the population or the reading population. Yeah. Um, and, and by, I mean, but also buy that token. Like if, if they, you know, are, are demanding all of these reprints through this, you know, um, um, speculative ordering or whatever, that could mean that, you know, some uh, closeted kid who needs the hope, you know, might find it on the stands and yeah, fucking good. Great. Right. And is, is that not what like Superman as a concept is supposed to instill is like a sense of hope or, or, you know, like openness and acceptance or whatever. That's not the American way, Phil. That's, you know what? That's a great point. <laughs> well, that, that is, that is an interesting kind of bigger conversation is I, I, I do feel like DC as a company has been moving further and further away from the, truth justice in American way moniker that Superman's had since the fifties. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's an interesting conversation, I guess, about what it means to staple the American way on a character like that. Is it merely because, you know, we're moving more and more into a global society and like we want Superman to appeal to everyone on the planet, not just people in America, not just like this, uh, uh, kind of imperialist American values or whatever, or is it because that America way is kind of a tainted kind of phrase because it has a lot of baggage. I uh, I'm trying to remember we did like a Superman um, analysis and I'm forgetting the one book that was like, he went around the world. Oh, um, uh, uh, grounded? Superman, yeah. Grounded. Was it grounded? Or Superman, Peace on Earth. Yes, that's it. Yes, yes, Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. And I remember the sentiment there for for me at least was that you know it felt very much like the 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 globalist imperialist Superman was coming around the world to fix things as if though like American. Yeah, and and I think that was something that I was trying to grapple with during that conversation. Cause that's very much what it came off as for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that it, because the United States has this conglomeration of culture mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, I think the American way people attribute that to specific segments of a population uh, versus the, uh, versus like the global aspect. But I think that there's that disconnect of, well, the American way should connect to the global aspect because that is what the makeup of the population is, is, you know, uh, the, the land of immigrants, the land of uh, people who come for a better life, regardless of race, creed, et cetera. And um, so it, it's weird. Cause like, I get why somebody could be upset that they're making it about this global, making it about globalization, but at the same, in, in that same token, Right. If people feel like the American way no longer is no longer attributable to 
globalization or that feeling of a, a melting pot of culture, then there's that disconnect that you feel and it, they should be somewhat synonymous in order to continue to have Superman feel like he can say, or like writers can say the American way. Um, I think that's been lost a bit. So I get it. But at the same time, I think there's work to be done in terms of how you can uh, course correct what the American way means. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I think it's kind of much to do about nothing. Yeah. When it comes to his moniker, I don't think that this was the original moniker. I feel like I read that there was some other one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think this just became popular in like the fifties. Yeah. It came, came along with a cartoon. Yeah. So who or the really, radio serial. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, Superman <laughs> has an American. I sorry, I didn't mean who cares to what you were saying. I meant who cares. Like, I mean, listen, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Superman as a as an American only hero doesn't even make sense. Yeah, he's a global figure. He can be that. He is that. It just doesn't work in my brain any other way that he would only work in America just because he landed here. That's odd. Um, and so yeah, I I also can see how that phrase that moniker would be alienating to real human beings and also to people who live in the DC universe. Like, why would you trust this alien who's all about America when, you know, America's not all about you. So um, I, I definitely <laughs> only yeah. all about you. If you have oil. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I think, um, and you look at Dr. Manhattan, you know, I feel like you can see a lot of, of like if Superman were you know, about the American way to a T, he'd be a Dr. Manhattan type of person, just a weapon. And he's not that. And he's refused that many times. So, yeah, Superman's a global hero, representative of every kind of person, or at yeah. least ideally he would be. And I think John Kent being representative of the kinds of people that Superman can't be, um, that's that's great. Yeah, that's a really good point. I really think at the end of the day, it just comes down to the people that are mad about this, haven't read a Superman comic in years, that the 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 conflict of like what it means to be an American and like what the American way is and all that stuff that's stuff that's better suited in like Captain America comics that really deals with like the identity yeah. of like America or whatever but like Superman comics don't grapple with that stuff really because mm. that's never it hasn't been the tone of a Superman comic and I don't know if it ever was really yeah I think that's a that's a fair point and and you know what what is weird to me it's it's actually kind of creepy is that you might not be right in saying that these people don't read Superman comics. Hmm. It's possible that they do. And somehow they gloss over the message. Yeah. I'm disturbed by that. I'm disturbed by the fact that there are people who watch star Wars and obsessed with star Wars, but are, you know, more like in terms of their values, more in line with the empire. <laughs> like, did you watch yeah. the movie or no? Like clearly that's not good. Clearly like you love Luke. You love Luke, you love Leia, Han, Chewie, but you are the Empire. It's weird. Can you imagine like watching that with a friend and being like, God, fuck Luke and Leia. They ruined the whole thing. <laughs> well, I mean, at least I, they're honest about it in that scenario. <laughs> how do you get Order in the Galaxy, though? Yeah, what about Order in the Galaxy? <laughs> what about Order? <laughs> order 66 was reasonable. Let's talk about it. <laughs> We having the real conversation here. Yeah. Those weird sexless monks are ruining the galaxy. 
<laughs> from a certain point of view, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> and for for anybody who wants to go back to the super the Superman character spotlights, we went through a few books, uh, episodes oh, one eighty episodes one eighty three and one eighty six. Nice, look at that. Nice, very good. Yeah, Superman is a global icon. And yet we didn't talk about him for a single second at the DC fandom, which <laughs> was a global event that took place last weekend. In our main topic, we're going to break down all the cool stuff that we saw at that event, whether or not it was a success and what we're most excited about coming out of the event. So DC's fandom was last Saturday and uh it was it was pretty interesting it was about a four or five hour event so long um apparently 66 million worldwide views wow you talk about global that's that's impressive stuff Uh, that's some bts numbers yeah that's that's half of a wrestlemania in terms of the time length that people still showed up (laughs) right um that's triple the number from 2020. Wow. Do you think think it's because of the Batman? Yeah, I think the Batman has a lot to do with it. Hmm. But I imagine you could also view it everywhere. What do you mean? Oh, is that like the one platform? Yeah. And that that was a key factor. You could watch it on several different platforms. There were multiple streams on each platform. YouTube had IGN streaming it, HBO streaming it, you know, all these different streams. So, you know, a phenomenon. That's a great number. That's a yeah. fantastic number. You cannot be mad with that number. Well, and you talk about, you know, the difference between doing your own convention and having, you know, this kind of event. Well, I don't care where you do it. 66 million people cannot attend your event. Yep. You know, like that can't happen. So for that, reason this is tremendous Uh, i'm a little disappointed personally i feel like maybe it's just me but i feel like it's about three million short of where i wanted it to be (laughs) then help yourself nope (laughs) nice thank you kale i'm creeped out by how close you got to the (laughs) you're welcome what is, I mean, you're just eating and talking now. This is what we do. This is an ASMR. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> I don't want you working at a toy store anymore. <laughs> Word. Oh, my God. Stay away from the children. <laughs> what are you going to say to that, Kale? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was going to say no. I'm not doing it because I want to. Yeah. He looks down and whispers at the rest of us. No. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, uh, DC didn't say no to us at the fandom. They gave us exactly what we wanted, which was the Batman trailer. Um, But we're going to make you guys wait as they made us wait. They made us wait four or five hours to see that damn trailer. So we're going to talk about everything else they announced. Um, Presentation wise, it was essentially the same as the initial fandom. The biggest difference is that it was all one stream, whereas the original fandom was Um, multiple streams that were showing you different things. So if you wanted to see the milestone stuff that might have been on a different stream than, you know, the Wonder Woman stuff, and we had to bounce around on the fandom website. Here, everything was 
you know, they streamlined it and just made everything run on a track for one consistent viewing experience. I think that that was to the show's benefit. Uh, it did force people to watch stuff they didn't necessarily care about, but that's good. You know, there were lots of comments of people saying, oh, who cares about the milestone stuff? But that was cool. And I'm glad that people had to see it. And I'm sure there were people who didn't know anything about milestone who were yeah. sort of forced to see the announcement that we're getting a milestone media animated movie. That'd be fun. Yeah. Based on static shock. Let's fucking go boys. Yeah. It's about time. Yeah. It's like 20 well, years too late. Almost. I yep. should say the, 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 the static movie is actually not the animated one. The Static Shock movie is live action. Oh, oh hello. The animated yeah, movie. Check. Yeah, the animated movie is going to be a, a more general uh, milestone thing. But we are getting a live action static film. Uh, Reginald Hudlin is attached. Uh, sure. uh, it seems like he's going to be the director. Mm. Um, so that's cool. Reginald Kale is a, is a comic book writer. He's doing some stuff with the milestone um, comics. Now he did Black Panther. He's done he's a been lot of stuff. forever. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I'll tell you though, Sean, if they did a, a static animated movie in the style of Nicholas Draper Ivy's art, that'd be pretty fucking sick. He he actually put on social media that he's involved. Nice. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yep. Very good. So very cool, very cool stuff. Um I'm happy for for what's going on with Milestone. I really yeah. am. I think it's it's a great revival. You know, there was a lot of concern on my part that DC wasn't going to put the muscle behind it, yeah. and I think they have. I think if you're if you're telling us that we're getting a live action movie, an animated movie, um, all these comic books that they've announced, you know, it feels like they're treating them like, you know, a serious thing. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and like you said, it exposes a ton of new people to Milestone, and like. Like you said, there were 66 million people tuning in, which is also amazing because last year they showed off the terrible CGI of Wonder Woman 1984 and it didn't chase people away from this year. So a whole <laughs> bunch of new people to be exposed to Static Shock in the Milestone universe. Yeah, absolutely. So really happy about that. That was cool. Speaking of Wonder Woman 1984, uh, we all did our best collectively to forget that that happened, but unfortunately... <laughs> Then on our screens was Patty Jenkins. Uh, Patty Jenkins was joined by Linda Carter to basically talk about Wonder Woman, how great Wonder Woman is. Of course, Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary uh, is this year. And it was this week. week. Yes, you're right. Um, Happy 80th, Wonder Woman. Uh, Linda Carter does not look like she is 80. She looks like she is a lot younger than 80. I don't know how old she actually is. I could, if you told me she was 80, I would say, okay, but I wouldn't say she looks 80. Never ask a one woman her age. Fair enough. So these two uh, made the announcement uh, that there will be a wonder woman three. Okay. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. 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 You can, yeah. that's all right. I mean, feel free to make it, but yeah, I mean, don't need to waste the effort <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, you probably have better things to do with your time i mean the first movie was good for about two-thirds of it and the second movie was good for about 20 minutes of it and then um that's that's not that's not a great resume 
No. Um, I don't know if it's because of Warner Brothers or whatever that interfered. I know we know for a fact that Patty Jenkins says that Warner Brothers interfered with the ending to the first one. Don't know how involved they were with the second one, though. If I remember correctly, she made it sound like she had a lot more control over the second one. She said that she had creative control over this movie. Yeah. That Wonder Woman 1984 was what she wanted. So that makes me think, give someone else a try. Mm. Can I point out, by the way, that it's likely, whether you like it or not, it's likely that Wonder Woman Part 1 would have ended with no big battle scene had uh, Patty had her way. That might have been okay. Depends on the how, like the movie didn't really feel like it was trending that way. So that might have been fine. We'll never know for sure. Wonder Woman 1984 ended that way. And I'm not saying that that's a definite indication, but if the movie was about a certain idea, a concept that uh, Patty was trying to get across, which is pretty yep. clear, the messaging in 1984 mm-hmm. was pretty bad. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know that she would have been able to distill it in the original one either that's true i i can't take that away she there's no uh, there's no proof that she can land a plane let alone an invisible one <laughs> i'll give you credit fine thank you thank you god damn it no you're done with credit you can't get credit i have no credit you have no credit um yeah i you know what i it, of course, there's going to be another one. I don't think yeah. that was ever in doubt. It's fine, I guess. I really would love to see someone else take the reins, but yeah. it just it, it it has to happen. It's not the end of the world. It's not like Patty Jenkins is a bad director. It's not like Gal Gadot is a bad Wonder Woman. There's a lot of competency there. Mm. I just think that you know, hopefully they can learn some lessons. Patty publicly has been never anything but supportive and happy about the way that Wonder Woman 1984 came out and blames haters and people who don't get it for not liking 1984. That's a problem. It is, because what I was going to say is if they can learn lessons from what didn't work, then they can make a better film. But if that's her real attitude, that might not happen. She was like blaming it on like the idea of movies being streamed at home now. Yes. And don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. when we did Suicide Squad, we all lamented that that was an experience that we would have preferred on a big screen. Maybe you guys did. I <laughs> saw it in theaters, but yeah. I did too, right. yeah. And Dune just came out. It's a movie I'm actually avoiding to watch on HBO Max. It's there, but I what? think I'd rather watch that in a movie theater. <laughs> and so I got to find that time to watch it. So, I mean, there's a... a, a, a I, I kind of understand where she's coming from, but at the same time, so part of me thinks I would have seen that in the movie theaters and thought, boy, I wasted my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I would have been tight you if I, I mean? had. Yeah. yeah 100%. Um, but it is announced. It is coming. So if you're excited, then absolutely phenomenal for you. Hmm. Uh, we saw some footage from Black Adam. You know, they started it with the same, you know, Dwayne Johnson comes out. Hey, guys, I'm yeah. so happy and proud to be here today to talk to you about Black Adam. You know, that same thing every time, only this time there was actually 
<laughs> Kayla's miming the way that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson tends to do those little uh, speeches. Um, this time they had some footage to show. You know, it was cool. I don't know if you guys caught it. Yeah. Um, Black Adam, like Mortal Kombat's a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was awesome. He like, you know, uh, like destroys his body until there's just bones or whatever. Like it was crazy. Um it looks good, you know, but of course it looks good. I don't think you like how many superhero movies come out these days and you're like, man, that just looks bad. Like it like that just looks like shit. All these movies look good. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Glad you went there, Phil. I was gonna go there. Just saying, that was just a year ago. So that terrible CGI that they had to put at night because for whatever reason they couldn't animate it properly. Um I love The Rock, but there's a part of me too when he talks. I, I have this tendency to feel like I'm tuning him out because he's so saccharine. He's so sweet and nice all the mm-hmm. time that it, it makes it hard to kind of listen to him talk because he's always just like, ah, I'm so excited to be here. You guys are all my family. I love you all. And I believe that he like feels that way, but it makes it, and it, it makes it such, it makes it as such that when someone's like that all the time, it makes it hard to yeah. listen to them tight, like kind of keenly. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I I dug that. I, I'm glad that he's excited about it because I think the enthusiasm, like for me, it permeates. Um, and I I was more excited about like the other characters, what appear to be oh, like JSA characters. Man, I am pumped now, out of my mind for Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate. You that was cool. Everyone, shut up for one second. Kale, you're excited about a superhero movie. No. I'm excited for one person playing a superhero. The movie's going to be uh, terrible. I don't know. What do you think of this? What do you make of this, uh, guys? I think Kel's acting like he's not excited about this movie. I'm not excited about the movie. Mm-hmm. I can believe Ramesh show I'm not excited about the movie. I, 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 I wholeheartedly believe him. Kel, <laughs> Kel doesn't like things that are mainstream, generally. He's a wannabe hipster? Yeah, that's like... I don't, Am I a wannabe? I don't know. I think he's into it. <laughs> Just don't check his closet. That's right. <laughs> You're right. Um, On my Black I, Adam onesie. My my excitement for this movie is very low, and I'm going to tell you why really fast. Because well, The Rock is not going to play a bad guy in a movie, mm. and Black Adam is not a good person. Black Adam is an interesting character. He's a complicated character, but when push comes to shove, he will do some bad shit. He's a bad guy. Only thing. Yeah. The only thing that gives me hope is that he has the JSA to play off because they're actual heroes. So them being the heroes in the movie maybe allows Black Adam to do some bad stuff, but we don't know the story. So I don't want to watch Black Adam, the good guy. You know, that's not interesting. And the way that the Justice League comic book is going down where he's definitely a hero. It's exactly what I was going to bring up. Yep. It, yeah. It makes me scared. He's going to call mm. much a bunch of jabronis and candy asses that I would I watch. Think, I think <laughs> that, yeah, that would be too, uh, too naughty for a DC film in the rocks image. Um, it's kind yeah, of the Will right. Smith thing where he didn't want to play like a, a real villain. Right. Yeah. Can't stand that. Yeah. Um, uh, did that? Sorry, Sean. Did that? Uh, did that little sizzle reel do anything for you? 
Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm so, you know, we've it, like I was saying earlier, like all these movies look good. It's it's yeah. it's not enough for a movie to look good anymore. You know, I, it, I need more. It really reminded me of the first time we saw uh, for Man of Steel, the 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 shot of the bullet hitting his eye. Watching that clip, I don't know. It reminded me of that because I think that was like the first thing we saw for that film. And uh, I just like, I feel like it's the, yeah, the same thing we see every time. Yeah. And, and probably even trying to draw parallels between him and Superman. Yeah. Um, I got to see it. It's I, I love the rock and I think he's an all right actor. I don't know if he has what it takes to bring the things that the black Adam character needs from an acting standpoint and if he can't and all he can do is make him funny and quippy and angry that's not gonna work for me i think mm-hmm. he could i don't think that'd be this movie though <clears throat> i stand right. by what i said two or three years ago on this very podcast they should have made john cena shazam and the rock black adam and then we get john cena for the rock number three <laughs> movie theaters hell yeah let's talk about the flash um, in fact, why don't we watch the flash? Why don't we watch a little bit of the flash? Oh, there he goes. Oh, just oh, missed, I him. missed him. Oh. Gotta go fast. He sure loves chili dogs. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Here's a little bit of footage from the flash. It's not exactly a trailer. It's just more like a teaser. Uh, that is, of course, Ooh, what's his name? A low cut shirt is what that is. The Ezra guy Miller. who pushed that lady down at a Toys R Us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it didn't sure he, is. Didn't he like punch a girl at a bar? He like knocked her out. Yeah. <laughs> what's with the the neck thing, by the way? Gotta ask him. No, he's the Flash. This <laughs> <laughs> he's not the Flasher. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, this movie looks pretty bad so far. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. If you're on YouTube, you can see what we see. Check us out. YouTube.com slash the comics pals as we watch the flash walk into the haunted mansion. Spooky. Different movie. Oh, back to the future. Oh, that looks cool. Huh? That looks very cool. The suit looks cool. No, it doesn't. I was never crazy about the new 52 <laughs> Flash costume. No, it sucks. Damn. All right. Well, oh, so I thought clearly... he hit that woman. <laughs> <laughs> he's seeing his mother and, you know, yeah. he's probably like sad because his mom's dead and stuff. Um, Ooh, love he's... the Flash ring. Yeah, love that CGI. Ring. Wow. <clears throat> Wowza. Looks like the fucking injustice. Look oh, at my that. God. The Flash is that is... Batman? Look at the that Keaton Flash. Cow. Two movies? flashes. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Sure did. Wait, yep. back that up. Yeah, I got you. Two back flashes. that ass up. Thank you, Kale. Wait, who's that? Is that past Ezra Miller? Or I think the one in front is uh, that Flash. Is our Ezra Miller, and the one to the side is uh, future Ezra Miller. So uh, Barry Allen. Why did you? Why did I say Ezra Miller? Wait, who's the girl? <laughs> Supergirl. No. Wait, oh yeah, that is super cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excuse me? Yes. It's a, um, an alternate Earth super girl. Oh. 
it was from Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis. Oh, is that like their daughter in the future, Lois and Clark? Um, no, I don't think so. That that Supergirl. They did a run where the Joker was the king or something. No, he was the emperor of the universe. Okay, I think she's from that. Powers. That's right. I think she was from that. Um, I gotta tell you, watching this trailer, my main reaction is I'm done with the Zack Snyder stuff. And when I see Ezra Miller, I just think Zack Snyder Justice League, and I'm just not into it. I cannot get over how bad anything where he's in that suit looks. Oh, he, I mean, he looks fine in the suit or whatever. I, I, that's not an issue for me. I'm just yeah. kind of done with this stuff. Like this this universe that we're exploring. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm, I don't want to see like any of that stuff anymore. Henry Cavill. And that's not even a knock against Henry Cavill or Ben Affleck. And again, not a knock against Ben Affleck. They're not going to show it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm no. just kind of done with this. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Ezra Miller, you know, got a lot of flack. I feel like a lot of people didn't like the Flash that he portrayed. Uh, I did. I do. Um, it's different. It's a little weird, but I'm into it. I don't. I don't know if I care too much about this movie. Like, I'm excited to see Batman, and that's the most mm-hmm. excited I am about the Flash movie. Is it kind of like Batman? It's both. It's Keaton and mm, Ben. That's right. That 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 was Ke- Michael Keaton that they were looking at. Yeah. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Well, yeah. the costume. The, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm I'm here for that, but Flashpoint movie, which is basically what this looks like, it's going to be really early for that, and uh, I don't care. We've talked about this before, but if we're going to drag Mike, Michael Keaton back into the cow, kicking and screaming, for me, I want to see that as old Bruce Wayne mentoring Terry McGinnis. You got middle-aged Michael Keaton mentoring two Ezra Millers. <laughs> Damn it. How did I lose this game of poker? <laughs> so uh, I don't have call it. call it a flush. I don't have it, but I saw a screenshot of a close-up of the, the, the actual suit that the Flash is wearing, one of the Flashes. The and if you really one. look, yeah, I think it's the longer hair one. If yeah. you really look, there's a bat symbol mm-hmm. in the suit. What? Yeah. Yeah. Batflash. I, I didn't want to. Yes, Batflash. I don't want to point it out because like I can't zoom in and stuff. But um, yeah, it, it, that that looks like what they're going with. Yeah, that picture's floating around mm-hmm. Twitter. I've seen it a few times. What is what is Batflash? Well, you know what? Uh, Jeff Johns ultimately retconned Barry Allen's origin story so that he is basically Batman Flash. My mom's God, dead. God, I miss her. I need to save her. Um. So a couple things it could be. Um, there are uh, rumors that it's just Barry had to wear one of Michael Keaton's Batman suits and he wanted to do something cool with it. So he put his lightning bolt over the, the bat symbol. Um, it could be that that Ezra Miller is the uh, Flash Bruce Wayne from um, whatever Scott Snyder did with the um, what was that? We just read it. Help me out. <laughs> what okay um i'm sorry man you said you said whatever and i thought what if like no. <laughs> like that's your version I mean, of what if <laughs> whatever <laughs> i hate that that's fun i like that kelly should lean into that 
Maybe yeah, maybe if I ever get a big a job at the big two, that's that's what my uh, my what if will be. Well, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, what the hell were you talking about? The the <laughs> Bruce Wayne Flash, uh, in from the last. Oh oh oh, from uh, the Dark Knight's Metal, right? Or was it Metal? Yeah 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 what? yeah. The, the, they were all like the bet the the they were all a version of him. Yeah yeah. 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 Yes. Okay okay, could be that yeah. Huh. Yeah, I think there's precedent based on what you just said. Um, mm. It's not crazy. And um, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting the idea that maybe Bruce is mentoring the Flash in this universe. I kind of like the fact that weirdly now the, um, the those Batman movies are now part of continuity now like that's kind of cool. Um, and I would love to see them do something with that. DC is opening a lot of doors. And I am notoriously not a fan of their version of the multiverse. I think it's stores. <laughs> it's stores. Look to his look to his uh, right. There is no door. That's, right. that's that's a true fact. Um, but if they're gonna get weird, you got to do something with it. If you, yeah. you got to give us Batman Beyond out of this, you got to give us something unique. Composite Batman Superman, baby. Yo, now we're fucking talking. Why not? Because they won't. You know what? Um. This is a this is a controversial thing, but I think of the Flash, and I think about how much better that character would work if, like, Disney owned the IP to that character because there's no better character that would fit in like an MCU style movie than the Flash. I feel like. Hmm. Very very interesting thought. Because like, I think of you know what that's fair too actually, but I think of like Paul runs Ant Man or something. You do something like that with a Flash, who's got a lot more weight behind the character than Ant Man does. It's a uh, public consciousness. Like, I just don't trust Warner Brothers to make a worthwhile Flash movie. It's their most fun character, and they're not going to make the character fun. Phil, right now, do you accept this trade? I tr- I offer to trade you the century. For the flash yeah that would be perfect dude yes all right that would be a perfect trade dc i bet would make a great century movie they, they're desperate to make a century movie you kidding me they're like superman ah. <laughs> oh the century yes yes let me say this i see the century in dc as like the end game for a justice league movie because Unfortunately for the century, he has the void in him. Imagine him as a good hero turned bad that has to go toe to toe with Superman and the league as the void when when everything falls apart. That'd be great. Just, I'm, I'm so stupid. I sat here, I was listening to you, and I went, it'll never happen. Yeah, obviously, oh, yeah. dumbass. <laughs> 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 right? You're so fucking ass. stupid. That's the ultimate like canon nerd. I don't even, right yeah. there, where it's like that can't happen. That can't happen. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm so even... ready to disagree. Just no, that's not gonna happen. That's stupid, Sean. Why would you even say something like that? <laughs> I mean, whatever. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so ready to disagree and be negative for something that can't possibly exist. <laughs> Oh, man. Wow. Oh, I like it. That's why we should be uh, behind the scenes of these things. Yeah. I want to join creative for Let's DC. Let's talk about the Batman. 
Because again, frankly, yes, uh, this is what we all came for. Uh, if you were watching this live, you saw the comments. When's Batman? Where is Batman? I want Bruce Wayne. They even had like a on on YouTube. They had a like a tournament going on in the comments. Um, but it was by it was by the YouTube channel. It was choosing. Uh, it was like a supervillain showdown. Oh. Who was the best uh, supervillain of Batman's? Oh. And it came it came down to Joker, Harley Quinn, oh. Bane, and uh, Catwoman. I think some weird ass group. Like, well, they're the most popular and recognized. I, th- yeah. I think so. Absolutely. I just thought it was so funny that like Harley Quinn was in the list of yeah, like, she's yeah. a great character, but as a Batman villain, is she really top four? No. Can but, I, you know. can I derail this for a second to ask what you guys think is Batman's best villain? Two-Face. Two-Face. That's a good one. I like Two-Face a lot. Um, the Phantasm. Oh, um, of course. Of course. That's your answer. Uh, the Riddler. I really like that in that Scott Snyder run. Yeah. Okay. You uh, would like the Riddler. For it's me, good. For me, it's Raish. Raish Al Ghul. Yeah. Raish Al Ghul. Tremendous villain. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I wish he was. I'm going to say this. I wish he was done better in Batman Begins. Wish he wasn't played by an Irish guy. <laughs> yeah, I wish that. I think there could have been something there. Um, but, but there wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an eco-terrorist, and my first goal is to defeat the British. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, there's an IRA connection there that could work. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, uh, fortunately, we won't be seeing Liam Neeson in this movie. Uh, but we do have Andy Serkis, who, you know, oh, oh, is also so pretty good. cool. Every I'm movie ever. Share my screen rules. with you guys now so that we can collectively watch the trailer for The Batman. All right, you guys shut up so I can watch this. Have you seen this yet? Hell no. Okay. I don't watch trailers. It's yeah, very okay. good. You can't hear it anyway, right? No. Yeah, you suck. Okay, so we have a... I suck. You turn the volume down. <laughs> you can't hear it. All right, so that's Paul Dano, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. That is the Love regular. Paul Dano. Hot Great actor. Yeah, he's tremendous. Um, this Ooh, is great good. at latte art, too. Wow. Oh. Love the colors. There's a lot of reds and blacks in this. Uh, the lighting is very cool looking. Yeah. He's doing a voiceover right now. It's Batman saying uh, fear is a tool. The light in the sky is not just a symbol. It's a warning. What's the voice sound like? I like it. I've got to tell you, I <laughs> like very Robert good. Pattinson Batman. Voice. Yeah. He, he was getting some hate, but I thought I thought it was very good. This was a moment that I did not understand what he said. Oh, he said, what did you do? What have you done? Oh. Um, there's a lot of anger in his Batman, and I'm very intrigued by it. Yo. I love it. That moment right there had everybody enraptured. Selena and Bruce and bathed in that light together yeah. like that. Very sexy stuff. He's so emo. <laughs> that, was some, that was some clay man shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Oh, and then what's his name is the penguin? That's so crazy. Colin uh, Farrell. So nuts. Like it's Colin Farrell. He said, he, Whoa, take it easy, sweetheart. <laughs> Dude, he he melts into roles. Colin he really Farrell. Does. He's, he's underrated. Really good. He's Super he looks good. like he's melting in this. This is costume. sick. I love this. Yeah. 
the visuals i i, I feel like the visuals shot <laughs> of all of these scenes like the visuals are going to be what takes over like there's just yeah. so much going on and they're such they feel like really good shots I, selena yeah, watching him great. brutalize that guy and being scared that's a yep. that amazing yeah something that i really feel like here that I think that we kind of got in the Christopher Nolan movie a little bit is just like how hyper-violent this Batman is. Like this guy's got a ruthless aggression about him. <laughs> is Ooh. Andy Serkis Alfred? Yes. Andy Serkis is such a good actor. I keep saying that, but it's this, true. Look at the lighting. It's so sepia tone. Look at this shot. This is iconic. Uh, they did this little motif in the trailer for 1917, which I thought was really lame at the time, but that movie ended up being quite good. Yeah, this this is so I'm really hesitant because I'm obsessed with this movie already. I feel like I'm 15 again. That's how this movie is making me feel. But I don't want to lean into that because I have gotten excited for movies before. When I was 15, I was excited about Spider-Man 3. And then I learned, you know, like I don't uh, shut up. You, you, Marco, you and me, we're done professionally. (laughs) No. Uh, yes. Sean, I'm right there with you. Man of Steel hurt me too. That was a movie I've never been more excited for in my Same. entire life. That trailer was hype as hell. That first one, I know we feel differently about that movie, but it fair hurt. enough. But it hurt me. Yeah, you know, uh, you want to know where I came from? 2021, Kale. It was Man of Steel. <laughs> this movie, to me, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think this movie's trailer looks very good. I think yeah. all of it looks very exciting um there is a risk of having too many characters but i i don't know yeah i feel like penguin and cat well i think Catwoman's gonna be a major character but i think penguin's gonna be more of a minor role what i'm very interested to see is what they do with the riddler i i was telling a friend about the riddler and how hard of a character that is to do because in the past, sometimes they make Riddler like a Joker 2.0 thing. Yeah. And I think in general, it's just very challenging to do riddles, like interesting riddles in a movie or a story. That's why there's not a ton of like satisfying Riddler stories in comics. Um, I am so interested in what they do with the Riddler in this movie. And I think Robert Pattinson's got this character, like this version of the character down to a T in this trailer. Yeah. Uh, to your to your point on the Riddler, I like that he's not. I like that he he's not present. Like he, it's only in the first was, scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I like that because then I feel like they're keeping some things sort of close to the chest, and I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and for that, I I I enjoy that because then that means you know I feel like Penguin is going to be that minor character. He's going to be maybe like the first half of it let's say or the first that first part um and according to what we've been hearing it's close to like a three-hour movie so i think that they, they have they have the time to really explore these characters to explore how like these connections and if this is like the first let's say hour of the film you know, him on the street cleaning up uh crime with the penguin before it spins off to like the madness of a riddler where they haven't been showing anything I'm I'm excited for that. And one other note on top of what you're saying, Marco, is when Ben Affleck was announced to be Batman, there was a, a lot of hate. I think a lot of it was unwarranted. I think people had to picture of 2003 Daredevil in their mind for a casting mm-hmm. that was made in like 2013, 2012 or something. 
Um, Robert Pattinson also received a little bit of hate when that casting decision was made because people had Twilight in their head. But Robert Pattinson is a weird guy. Mm-hmm. In real life, he is a weirdo, a true weirdo. He wanted to do, <laughs> there was an interview with him like a year or two ago where he was talking about trying to do a fast food pasta restaurant where you eat pasta by the hand. Right. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, really, that's true. That yeah. was the thing he was talking about, because he's a little weirdo. And right. I think for Batman, you got to get a weirdo in there. And Robert Pattinson looks like a waspy British descendant guy who could easily be oh, an eccentric billionaire holed up in a castle somewhere who just has <laughs> so much unrelenting fury. And that's what you see here. And Every movie I've seen with Robert Pattinson from the last three years, he's been ex- uh, just exciting and electric and eccentric. So I am more excited to see Robert Pattinson in this movie than I've been to see an actor in a movie in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I can hardly contain it. Like, I don't want to wait until March to see this movie. It sucks because it should have been out already, but yeah. you know, with the way things went down. Um, <clears throat> so one thing that I think it's worth pointing out that I don't know how many people know, um, but from the test screenings, which is where the information about the runtime comes from, which again is a test runtime, not mm-hmm. an actual runtime. It will almost inevitably come down from that. But one thing we know is that in this movie, Batman actually has a, a, a narration. Um, so that quote that I said before about the light in the sky is not just a symbol, it's a warning. Um, that's him reading from his journal, from oh, the I Bat Journal. We've talked about this kind of thing many times on the show, where a big thing that's lost in translation from panel to screen is the lack of an internal monologue or internal narration or what have you, an omniscient kind of voice that guide you through the story. Cause that yeah. often doesn't translate well to, you know, like movies and TV shows. Uh, if they can nail that element, it can really establish a, a good moody atmosphere. It worked. I thought really well during Grant Morrison's Batman run, mm-hmm. uh, especially during um, the RIP yeah, it was extremely effective. And a lot of old comics that have good narration, you think, and Marco's not a fan of this book, but Frank Miller's Daredevil Born Again, that's a book that also has very effective like narration that guides you through like the story. Um, this, this movie looks like it's going to go in a real detective route. You have the Riddler here. You, like I think a lot of the brutality we're seeing from Batman it's probably because of the frustration and dead ends we're going to see that character hit and trying to like, you know, be stuck two steps behind the Riddler or whatever. And if you're going to do like a good detective movie, a, 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 a kind of a staple of the noir genre is having a detective narrate their thoughts and stuff. Mm. And that could be very effective here. Another thing that people are saying is that it's a full-on noir movie. It really, oh, really has that give me um, that energy has to that it. Vibe. That the Riddler is more of a jigsaw type character. <clears throat> huh. That there's one uh, scene in particular 
this may or may not be true that a lot, you know, a lot of this stuff is, you know, who knows, uh, yeah. but that there's one scene in which a guy is strapped to a chair that's going to explode and he has to answer three riddles to not die. Well, that sounds like Marco's personal life. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Too close. Um, Too close to the vest. Yeah. And also not for nothing, but Paul Dano is like an incredible actor too. He's going to like mm. transform himself into this role and it's going to be nutty. I don't know if you guys noticed. Well, you guys couldn't hear the, well, no, it doesn't matter. You can hear it. Um, I don't know if you noticed, they haven't shown his face. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At all. They've only shown him in the mask and it was a brief uh, clip on the TV in the background of a scene, but we haven't seen Paul Dano yet. His face. So I'm wondering what that's about. He's gonna transform his face, dude. He's he's so good as like mm-hmm. appearing as something. Um, yeah, I, I'm very much excited for that. Yeah, this movie has two like of the best character actors in the business, and Paul Dano and Andy <clears throat> Circus. So mm-hmm. it's being speculated that there's more than one Riddler. That there's three, <laughs> three riddles, <laughs> three Riddlers. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that's the speculation. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the talk I have here, a quote from Robert Pattinson that I think adds a lot to, um, you know, understanding the character. He says he doesn't have as much control over his personality. Like the delineation between when he's Batman and when he's Bruce is not so clear and other kind of iterations of it. You know, he really knows that he's doing what, that he really knows what he's doing when he when he's putting on the cow. And I kind of really like this idea of it's a little bit out of control. He hasn't completely defined what Batman is. I mean, it's kind of he gets lost in it whenever he's putting whatever he's putting on every night. And it's kind of, you know, basically he's not sleeping and he's becoming this quite sort of odd creature. <laughs> I'm ready for it. This is exactly what I'm talking about. He's playing into Robert Pattinson. Yeah, he's being his little weirdo self. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm extremely excited for this version of Batman. We got a taste of an angry Bruce in Batman Begins. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it goes far enough because when he puts the costume on, all of a sudden he's healed. That makes sense for that franchise Iteration. and what that story was about. It'll be interesting to see that tackled differently here. A Bruce Wayne who is all rage, a fractured personality, um, who kind of creates an expression of his anger, not a tool to heal. That's different. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm here for that. Also kind of a daredevil type thing. Yes. Yeah. I'm also very excited for the narration. That's unique. I think that we do have evidence of it having worked at times. Spider-Man uh, by Sam Raimi. Fuck that. <laughs> um, I think it worked great in those movies, and yeah. it shows that there it can be done. Yeah, I agree. Um, Kale, as the other person that Please got don't. hurt by Man of Steel. Please don't stop. I I don't want to squish all your funds. Oh Just stop. no, you're not into it. <laughs> I'm really not. Oh, no. Speak to that. Nothing. Let's do it. Man, none of this is appealing to me. What? No? The trailer to me, and and maybe it's because I couldn't hear it. You know, I, I it just looks like more Christopher Nolan esque stuff. 
I don't particularly like the look of Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne looking at uh, the costume and him seeing him do stuff in the costume. I don't think I like it. Mm. It just, it all looks the same. It's a, it's a gritty crime noir story. Yeah, of course it is. It's Batman. I mean, I don't, I, don't don't think any, <laughs> I don't think any Batman movie, in fairness, has felt like a noir movie. Certainly not. Except like Mask of the Phantasm. I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't. I tried to watch it again and ignore you and just really focus on on it. And I just it, none of it looks like something I, I not. That's not to say something I can't enjoy, but off of this trailer uh it none nothing that you guys have discussed and and the trailer uh appeals to me really you want to go back to brave and the bold batman stuff not even that necessarily i just i don't know uh, just this isn't at at this moment isn't doing it for me all right so i'm not glad that you feel that way but it you know it's interesting that you disagree because there are a lot of people who feel that way that this is not enough of a departure from what we continue to get with the Batman character on screen to be compelling. There are people who say that, um, you know, we got three movies of Christopher Nolan's Batman. Then Ben Affleck was just more anger, more, you know, rage. And then this is taking that to an even higher level minus the like shooting. Um, so <laughs> there are people who, feel that way and i don't even know that it's not valid yeah. batman is a character who means something different to everybody and yeah. everyone has their own version of the character that they appreciate the most which are several shades different from each other it's tough but i think that we're probably never going to get a batman movie that's a ton lighter just because I think this is the version of Batman that the most people respond to. Maybe. Um, at least not in the near future. I I could see a world in 10, 20 years where we're getting a not, you know, it's not like um, you know, Batman and Robin or Batman Forever or whatever. Those movies were really poorly received, but something a little lighter with uh kind of more Batman animated series tones, and you can have a the Michael Keaton Batman, like a Robin is actually involved. Yeah, but they're not, you know, solely fro- focused on, you know, Batman's anger. You know, it oh. it feels like a you know, an adventure and not a you know a, a you know what char- that's a really a, a character wank off. That's a really good way of describing where I think your departure from this is. It's is you want to see Batman adventuring, James Bond style, kind of like uh, you just want an adventure story, and this is uh, this does not appear to be an adventure story. I guess uh, maybe I, again, I you know I I I can't put my finger on it. I didn't I couldn't hear the audio. I hadn't seen this trailer before um, this, um, but. Uh, you know, it, it very well, c- I may come out of the theater and, and really like it. There are, you know, some really dark and heavy noir films that I'm a really huge fan of. Um, 
but yeah, just this, this particular thing just didn't do it for me. Fair yeah, enough. I got that. And I think if it was done a different way with different characters, like different actors and stuff, you know, I would also feel a similar trepidation. I think there's a lot of the right ingredients here for me that make this work. So, I, and I like all the actors. I, you know, I think they're all tremendous, you know, to a certain degree, Colin Farrell as a bullseye. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was good in that movie to its many detriments. I do. I do want to one day see Robin again. I think yeah. Robin has been on ice for too long. It's kind of weird actually, but when you're locked in, you do when you say we're doing Batman, you're essentially locking yourself into three movies, which is about the entirety of a given decade of Batman stories. And it just so happens that at least in the last decade, Christopher Nolan chose not to represent um, Robin on any mm-hmm. level. And neither did I Tim Burton. Neither did Tim Burton. I can't really imagine Matt Reeves wanting to go down the Robin Road. Not in a certainly not in a faithful way. Well, it's tough to see it right now because Robert Pattinson's Batman seems like this feels like a year one, year two type Batman thing. It's actually uh, year one. But before he meets, you know, Jim Gordon, but after he meets Catwoman, it's one of those, yeah, you know, yeah. really specific. I'm bullshitting, but I'm so sick and tired of the conversation about whether it's before <laughs> year one, after year one, year two point five. I'm done yeah, reading about I'm not I'm not trying to get into the weeds. It's a it, you missed the show last week that came up last week. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to get into weeds of like, oh, where is this fit? I'm just saying this is an early career Batman and. As I think in our cultural consciousness of understanding the Batman mythos, Robin isn't in early Batman's career. He comes along kind of that next chapter, like chapter two is sure. Dick uh, but we we never get that. We I never get another that. thing. We yeah. never get that. We, we probably Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was like chapter eight. Yeah, and he had a dead Robin, but like you know, he was also in three movies. And, you know, his Batman wasn't that different. Hmm. That's a totally fair criticism, but that was also Zack Snyder. But yeah, I would. I, Go ahead. I know what you mean. Um, I do. I was talking to a coworker about this, how they're sick and tired of certain characters having origin stories weaved into their movies. Spider-Man's one. And obviously these new Tom Holland movies haven't had that. And they feel grateful for that. Uh, Superman's another in their mind, and Batman's the third character. And when we we were talking about this trailer, they said, I really don't want to see any of the origin story because it's so universally understood. And I say that that to mean that um, I think you could do a mid-career Batman movie to start a franchise because everyone is on board. Everyone knows already. So like yeah. why 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 waste the time? Do a do an all-star Superman. This is the origin story, three panels. You're good. Yeah, like the opening credits of that movie is like what happens. Yeah, you're done. That's it. I don't know. I think it's I think it's narratively tough to build these films the way they want to build them without having the origin story anchor. Personally, I agree with you. My big gripe with the Tom Holland movies is that we don't have the origin story elements because I feel like it detracts a lot from the quality of those movies. But and I think it takes away from the character. 
Yeah. You know, there's a quote from Tom Holland. I think it was an interview. Uh, some person was asking him a question and Tom Holland said, um, if he could bring back a character, if Peter Parker could bring back someone, would it be Sorry. Tony Stark or, or Ben Parker, uncle Ben, who would he bring back? And, and, uh, Holland said Tony Stark. It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> like, that's, that's that's true to those movies, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think if we could if we could agree that like this is the last of the the extra dark Batman movies for one generation and let the next one have Robin, I think that would be super cool. Um but I don't know that I actually think that will happen. Yeah. It feels like people are very um, like anytime there's a Batman announcement, everybody, everybody has a thought of like, man, now would be a perfect opportunity to tell the world about my very unique feeling that Batman <laughs> is too dark. And if he were to stop beating up black kids and put his money into the inner city, we would have a better world. That I'm so real. Sick. Yeah, I'm so sick and tired of reading that take. I can't even tell you. Uh, Mattson Tomlin, who wrote the movie, The Batman, uh, after the trailer came out, went on Twitter and said, you know, I'm seeing a lot of that very lame and tired take on my timeline again with an upside down smiley face. And I completely understand if you don't like this, then it's not for you, you know? And I don't think reminding people that Batman should go to therapy makes any sense. Batman went to therapy. I saw George Clooney in that therapist's office, or maybe it was Val Kilmer. Um, hmm. But that sucked. You know, that was lame. We want to see Batman beat the shit out of people. No, that was sexy is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same thing as like Superman grounded. No one wants to see Superman mope around, walking around, feeling bad about himself or whatever. No, not really. Um, and I can do without that. So those are our takes on the DC fandom. I think it was overall a tremendous success. I mean, from every metric, um, you really can't fault it in any way. It was cool. Um, you know, there were some pr presentations that weren't the best, but by and large, uh, I think it was great. Hopefully next year they do have some Superman to show off something Superman. It kind of sucks that he's just a ghost um even a blue beetle movie got announced yeah and we Hell just yeah yeah we just can't get any superman they uh, don't they don't know what to do with the character um in my interview with philip kennedy johnson uh i did at near comic-con we talked a lot about like the culture's understanding of that character and uh you know why people don't seem to get it in like uh, hollywood yeah yeah, I mean, we're getting two black Superman projects in the near future, and that's cool. But um, I just it's just weird that he's absent, especially right now. I feel like there's so much space to make something great with that character. But people love you know, Chris Evans, Captain America, and there's no reason you can't make a Superman that people like. Yeah, agreed. Let us know your thoughts on the DC fandom. Did you get what you wanted out of this event? I did. All I wanted was Batman footage, and I got it, and it was great. And uh, I'm so, so excited for this movie. Um, I think there was something for everyone during the presentation. So what 
did it for you? What was that thing for you? Kale, was there anything for you before we close out? I don't think so. Oh, no. Pierce Brosnan. Okay. He's see, seeing him as a, 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 what is it? Ken Nelson, even just with, you know, the, the goatee and listening to him talk, even just for a second was rad. Uh, when I see, yeah, when I saw him on the, uh, on the black Adam thing, I got hyped and then I, it immediately died, but, uh, Fair enough. yeah, pumped as hell for Dr. Fate. Cool. Uh, Marco, what was it for you? Uh, I think it was the Batman stuff. Yeah, it was all pretty good. Up my alley. I'm ready for that. Phil? Oh, Batman, baby. Yeah. It's probably that for most people, but write in and let us know what it was for you. Anyway, you can write to us at thecomicspals.gmail.com. Get us on social media at the Comics Pals. Subscribe for free to our YouTube channel to make sure that you are aware of when we post all of our content, including our interviews from New York Comic Con that are still rolling out. We've got some big ones left yet to post. So stay tuned for all of that. YouTube.com slash the comics pals. Drop us a comment there. All that stuff is free to do and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. There is a new journey into Quistery up now on VOD and hopefully YouTube for you guys to watch. So head on over to either one of those platforms to check that out. We love doing it and hopefully you guys enjoy watching it. Don't forget our book club, which drops this Tuesday. We talked about Neil Gaiman's Eternals. So tune in for that conversation. I think we have a conversation robust enough that if you just want to hear us talk about it and not necessarily read it for yourself, you will get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I would hope that's always true for our book clubs. I don't know if it is, but this is the first time that I've thought that someone who hasn't read it can definitely check out our conversation. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, and I recommend that you guys have a tremendous rest of your day. Let's get into the plugs. Today, we start with Kale. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me. That's right. Me. Meet, meet Pete. You can find Pete at loud underscore Pete. Uh, you can find uh, that's his Twitter and Instagram. You can find his uh, video game show uh, flip screen, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I think he does something with Nintendo too. Nintendo noise. Nintendo dogs. Nintendo dogs. It's Nintendo dogs. Great. Love it. Glad he's finally getting that off the ground. Uh, you Oh, make sure to listen to his bad opinions about um, emulation and pirating uh, and why um, you should pirate from Nintendo. Because uh, Nintendo sucks and they're making some bad moves. And I will fight him on that. Uh, you can find me at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can ask me what those things are, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> um, and you can find my work at Kaylord.com, C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Wait, what was his... Uh, so he's saying you shouldn't pirate from Nintendo? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Don't pirate games is what he's saying. What? He said... Yeah. Pete, Pete and Bessie said that. That's, don't pirate games. Are you fucking kidding? Pete? I mean, unless Whatever. I misheard. <laughs> Whatever. Go ahead, Marco. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Anamoto. Come talk to me about, I don't know, whatever. I'm down to talk. Wow. Yeah. He had I'm, some 
I think Marco needs someone to talk to. I need someone to talk to, so come talk to me. I've been unpacking <laughs> all of my comics. As you can see, this is a mess of a bookshelf, and I have boxes over here, and I have books over here. Just talk to me about whatever. Stocks and whatever you do, make sure your messages don't go to his dad. That's right. Yeah, make sure they don't go to my dad. Phil. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Cyborg Bebop. Uh, so for the first time in my life, I'm kind of with the cultural zeitgeist. What's the first three episodes of Squid Games? Uh, Ooh, it's pretty good. That's um, good. Um, it's it's a uh, it's weird. I never watch things that are on time with the culture. Yeah, you know, I missed The Wire when it was popular. I missed Lost when it was popular. I missed Sopranos when it was popular. Game of Thrones, all these things for the first time. I'm not totally behind where pop culture is. Um, also, I've been really like Dune just came out this weekend. And I haven't been able to see it. I'm looking at my schedule. Uh, my my life schedule has totally changed in the last uh, week and a half. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to see it. So uh, tell me what you thought, and hopefully I can see it within the next couple of weeks. And talk to me about Dune because I'm going to go see it tomorrow in my living room. Oh God! Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at. Petey the Pirate up. Oh, I mean, <laughs> at Sean Soapbox. <laughs> Hit me I up mean, to talk. He had his usual bullshit caveats, you know. But mm-hmm. follow Sean where you can talk about pirating Petey the Piranha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hit me up to talk about uh, the Batman trailer and how excited you are for that. If you are an Inferno, God, I can't wait for that comic book. This is yeah. going to be a great. Wednesday, uh, Thursday review episode. So make sure you tune in for that. Last time we talked about Inferno only. We did a crazy deep dive. It was a lot of fun. This week we're going to do a similar thing, but probably not just that book. So it'll be longer, but everybody's going to have a great time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a good time. Until next week, take care, guys. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>